Warning, this show contains mature content and spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. to another episode of the rpg show i'm your host nick and today i'm <clears throat> once again joined by two awesome guys uh kevin and kyle how are you guys doing today great how are you yeah i'm well. fine <laughs> good all good scrubbed. glad you guys are doing pretty good all scrubbed up out of your shower oh uh, yeah nice and clean refreshed ready to talk about this uh refreshing game i guess because there's a nice uh Nice thing to play after uh, playing a bunch of shit for a while. So yeah, I'm glad you. Think uh, you I'm so happy that you enjoyed it. Well, I knew I was going to. It's like I didn't. I didn't not enjoy Cold Steel or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I missed something in Cold Steel too, and I was like, "Fuck this." Uh, and I took a break from it. And I just haven't gone back, and I really was not wanting to play three and four without having had played Sky and the Crossbell games anyway mm. so this probably works out better for me uh so kyle do you have any history with the trails games honestly no first one so uh it was really fun for me to get into and i guess i'll be the newbie on this episode here well i'm not too far behind you i don't know too much about the goings on in the world so uh if we have any questions i'm sure kevin will be more than happy to jump in i will answer to my best ability without boiling uh a lot of stuff which so I'd never played this game, but I did like a. I watched like YouTube videos of Let's Plays or whatever, just so I knew the story before going uh, farther in the Cold Steel. And I kind of like conflated the two stories together and I spoiled something for Nick. So it wasn't just something. I feel like it's a major plot point, but uh, it's all good. <laughs> Big spoiler. Sure, I would have found out eventually and been like, oh, okay, that's cool. But now I guess I have context for all the shit that's going on. I can't really say anything in this uh, podcast because it's not till the next game that we find that out. So uh, stay tuned for March when we get to that one. Maybe April, right? Since Azura comes out in uh, March. It's like March 23rd, so probably the latter half of April, depending on how fast we burn through it. Well, if it was you, it's like two weeks. Well, I don't have a life. It's easy for me. Yeah, I'm like you people. I got a kid. It took me the whole time of you guys beating it three times for me to beat it once. Try my best. Well, I only beat it twice. I only played it twice. Did you play it a third time, Nick? I sure fucking did. <laughs> Holy shit. Was it was it worth it? Probably not. But uh, I did. Uh, so because each character has a different interaction at like the auction and the intermission and the prologue, uh, or not the prologue, the race or whatever. No, not the race. What the hell is it? Oh, the, yeah, it's, it's in the prologue when you go to uh, Revesh headquarters or whatever. 
so I wanted to just see all the the different dialogue that each character had, and also the whole um, transfer over the co-op attack thing or whatever. Yeah, the upgrades co-op attack, which I like. I never used anyway. Yeah, I never used. <laughs> so, them. well, so that's a lie. I used them in the finale because uh, the bond points didn't matter anymore. Yeah, and uh, there's definitely a few that are way stronger than like an individual. Uh, S-Craft, but you can't use individual uh, or you can't use the team attacks as like an interrupter or whatever, so that's kind of shitty. But unlike my second and third playthrough, I wasn't using S-Crafts as interrupters often anyway, because I was just fucking obliterating everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you you want to do a little catch-up? Like, see what you guys have been playing? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I, okay, I guess I'll start. <laughs> Uh, mine's gonna be really, so, mine's gonna be real easy. <laughs> I pretty much burned through uh, this, and then um, I was playing. So there's a couple games doing shutdowns. Uh, I was getting trophies for. Uh, I was playing some Mortal Kombat X, and there's this like shitty free to play game called Guns Up. Uh, that I've been playing. That I'm almost done with. Uh, that I've been dabbling in Trinity Souls of Zill Ol, which is the next game. That. Uh, I'm forcing <laughs> Kevin to slog through, so uh, yeah. that'll be uh, that'll be an interesting podcast, I guess, because uh, uh, presumably Kevin's going to show all over it, which is always enjoyable to me, at least. So, yeah, uh, does that game pick up at all, or is it just one log fucking slog? Um, so the game design is like a dungeon crawler, I guess, uh, where you get the missions. And you do the the quest or whatever the fuck. Uh, but as far as I remember, like the game is like it's like one of those things where like you get the stupid um, main quest, and you can do that, or you can do the side quest things that randomly pop up. Yeah. And if you do if you do just the main quest, it's kind of a short game. I want to say it's like twenty hours. Really? But if you're going for like the plat, it's like. Uh, 40 something hours because you have to grind. I think you could finish the game at like level 40 or 50 or something. Okay. Cause and then there's like an optional dungeon that's like one of those infinite dungeons, but it's not infinite because it's got like 100 floors or whatever and it has checkpoints. And the further you go down, like the stronger enemies are, so you can use that to grind or whatever. Okay. Because... It's been a lot of time since I played them. So. Because the way I've been playing is like I'll do a story mission and I'll do a side mission and a story mission and a side mission. And like chapter one took me like 10 hours. Oh, damn. To get through yeah. chapter one, but I was doing like Coliseum shit. You know me, I like I like to do like yeah, you're doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. Have you unlocked the uh, casino mansion yet? No. What chapter is that in? Uh, I'm in chapter two. Now. Uh, I'm not sure if it's chapter related, but I know you have to do a bunch of the Fugo requests, like specific requests. I don't oh, know how many you have to do, but you have to do a bunch of those. Okay. So those are the only ones that I would do. Only honestly. two have popped up. I know I saw that, and I've only two have popped up. So I probably got, I'm. I don't know. I don't know how soon those pop up, but but yeah, that's all I've been playing is uh, whatever this what Trinity <laughs> Souls of Shit Ol or whatever it's called. Oh damn! Oh <laughs> uh, well, ouch! It just kind of drags ass, and the the dialogue is so fucking dumb. Like I don't know if it's translation error or just. Well, you're talking about a game that's made by people known for just beating the shit out of mooks. On uh, Moss, so it's not like I don't know why they decided to do an RPG. I think before they had done Blade Storm, Hundred Years War, and I feel like there's a lot of reused assets from that in this game. Mm -hmm. So they might have been like, "Oh, let's uh, make another, art let's make it like an actual JRPG with our systems and whatever." So they kind of 
moved a bunch of stuff over. Right. Uh, so I don't think that they've ever like had anybody do a good plot. Like they've done the same storyline ten times now, whether on Dynasty Warriors nine or ten or whatever. And it's always three kingdoms. It's always the same fucking story. So it's like they haven't had to do any creative fucking input on anything with the plot except like change, I guess, minor things every once in a while. Because they could just reuse the same fucking uh, Wei Wu and Chu or whatever I think it's called. I think the three kingdoms are called like storyline over and over again. And it's a historical thing. So it's not like they have to make up any fucking plot twists or whatever because it's all known already. Uh, so they're like, oh, we'll just make a fucking JRPG. And this is what you get. Uh, well, I like it, the, but uh, it's the, not for everybody. The dialogue <laughs> is really like they're reading to each other, not talking to each other, you know? So it's well, you're coming off of a Kaseki game, man. I don't know what you want. Like, this... I know. I'm, 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 well, that's. Uh, I'm sorry, Kyle, but this. Like, no, I'm sorry, but this game probably ruined uh, future RPGs because the writing is never going to be this good ever again for you. But at least the dialogue between characters, like in this game, is just the best, in my opinion. Then I get, then I'm playing Trinity, and it's just rough. Uh, and the story is kind of like. It's just revenge story so so far. Maybe there's some more twists coming up, but it's just kind of boring to me. But it's super generic, yeah. Yeah, generic. Yeah, that's that's what the word I was looking for. It's just like it's basic. You're like, yeah, I get the motivations and the characters. Like, you know, your typical. You know, my dad was murdered by my grandpa, so now I hate the world. And he's like, no, I don't want to be anybody's friend. But then this guy's like, well, I want to be your friend. And he's like, no. And he's like, yes. And he's like, okay. That's almost how it goes. Well, it was more like, he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out with you whether or not you want me to. And the guy's like, Well, I can't fucking do anything about that. Whatever, suit yourself. Well, yeah. Then the, the chick shows up, and the other guy's like, Yeah, why don't you join the party? Well, it'll be, it'll be a good time. It would, it would make more sense if you know your other your other gladiator guy at least joined you for a little while before he became you know. Uh... He's he's got to die, man. You know how that works yeah, in these games. An like the best friend guy. dies. Yeah, but at least like, you get not... part of your group for a while. Anyways, we're we're getting too far off tangent here, but um, I gotta print this thing up and start focusing on this game. Right. Uh, so, Kyle, have you been playing anything besides Trails? Uh, yes, yeah, so I don't Trails. I've been playing the new Mario Rabbids game. Um, it's pretty good, honestly. Like it so far. It's different from the first one, though. There's a lot more smaller battles than like two large scale battles every chapter. Is that like um, is that like a turn-based strategy RPG thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good overall. Like it's super solid. I I definitely suggest it. And it's usually pretty cheap the first game at least. Um, but yeah, the second one's a little different. It's more open world, and instead of like it used to be, you'd fight two battles, um, like three versus seven or eight or something like that per chapter. This one just has random enemies you can run into on the on the overworld map, and it's first maybe three to five it's a lot quicker so um kind of an interesting change but i i'd give it a i'd suggest it if anyone's into it okay so um, you have to play the first one for the storyline purposes oh absolutely not okay. no there's like almost zero dialogue honestly oh shit all right <laughs> yeah it, it you know it's a mario game they don't say too much there's a little bit of talking back and forth but there's no um actual like voices i think okay mm -hmm. well, that's cool I can't oh. promise I'll check it out. That's fair. <laughs> because uh, I'm not really into it's a, it's on the Switch, right? Yeah, yeah. I probably should never have bought my Switch because I never want to use it. 
<laughs> Maybe if I see it, I'll wishlist it on the website, and if it's on sale, I'll, I'll buy it. Cause why not? Yeah, the first one's probably like twelve bucks, maybe. Pretty good. How many how many hours did you say you got out of it? Like forty, or not that much? Uh, if you're gonna go for max ranks in every battle, I'd say forty-ish, forty-five, maybe. Okay. Um, there's bad. also like bonus battles and other stuff. There's a DLC as well. That's probably about ten hours. Damn, not too bad. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Okay, uh, well, I guess we will get into the show then. Um, if you are new here, we typically uh, break down six categories and rate them on a scale from 0.5 to 5. Uh, and obviously we allow half scores because I originally fucked that up. And then recently, Kevin decided that why stop at 1? Yeah, why not? Why not get a 0.5? We're, but we are restricting it to that because there's, I personally believe there's nothing that is a zero score. Like, I feel like that's impossible because some work was put into something. Even if it's shit, it's somebody tried to make something, so shit it can't point, be a zero. Shit is point 0.5. Like, you literally so, I mean, took a Technically, shit. Point 0.5 is zero, but it's not, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so, it's a, it's a technicality. It's a technicality. Yeah. Uh, yep, so the categories are gameplay, story, visuals, music, slash voice acting, overall, and replayability, slash extra content. Um, so, if you couldn't tell by the title of the show, today we're talking about Zero no Kiseki, or as in the West, it is known as The Legend of Heroes Trails from Zero. Uh, it was originally released in 2010 by Nihon Falcom. Uh, it is the fourth game, I believe, in the uh, Kiseki series, That's uh, starting from uh, the... Fuck. Trust Legend of Heroes, Trust from the Sky, first chapter. I was trying to think of the fucking Japanese name, oh. uh, but but I don't know it. <laughs> gotcha. So, uh, and then that was followed by uh, second chapter, and then final chapter, I think it's called. I think it's just... It's always... Three. Well, it's because it's always like... Uh, oh, no. Uh, maybe I'm mixing up the, the shorthand, because uh, it's... it's uh, people call Sky FC, and then Sky SC, and then... I guess they do third for yeah, third, third one. Yeah, it's third. Um, Sky third, I think, is what it is. But it's like first chapter, second chapter, third chapter. But the third chapter is not really a chapter. It's more like a epilogue, I would say. Oh, okay. Where it's like, it's you know how those fifth games coming out for Cold Steel, but it's more like an in between, like transition game. Like Reverie, is that we talking about? Yeah, yeah. So okay. It's not really a Cold Steel game, but. It's like you got Cold Steel and you got... So basically Cold Steel and uh, the Crossbell games take place at the same time for the most part. And so this is like the tying all the loose ends together game. They always try... I feel like they do that after every series. Yeah, just basically tie the loose ends up and like what happens and where people are going and that kind of thing. And Trails in the Sky 3rd is like a self-contained story in... It's hard to explain without spoiling everything, so I won't get too much into it, but just it's just some tying off loose ends, and you can see characters or sides of characters you didn't get to see in the game, in the first two games. Okay, that's it's, cool. It's like a, the whole cast from 1 and 2, like all the extra characters you get to play as and having your party is like, I think, 20 playable characters in the third game, where in the first two you only have like maybe... I take that back. I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah. First two generally. That's way like, too fucking many. What is this? Sweden? 
<laughs> it's almost like Suikoden, but there's like maybe six or eight characters through the first two Sky games, and then at the end of the second one, there's like like how there's guest characters in uh, this game. Uh, there's a lot of more guest characters in Sky. It just okay. it just keeps expanding, and then like when you get to Cold Steel Four, like basically every character that's ever been playable <laughs> you get to use. I feel like that's cool or whatever, but it's also like a missed opportunity. Like how like Sweden has war battles. There needs to be war battles with all the characters you built up. In my opinion. No, I... <laughs> base building. Make a fucking Sweden game, Falcom. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Cold Steel 2 <laughs> kind of does that a little bit. Uh, where you like gotta gather... So you have like a ship in Cold Steel 2 and you gotta like gather everyone up from the school. And you guys are everyone from the school, and you don't have to gather. You don't have to get everyone, but everyone from uh, the school kind of has their own role on the ship. But yeah, there's not like battles against. Uh, there's battles, but uh, turn-based battles. It's not like the war battles. Missed um, opportunity. Oh well. <laughs> I, I, was, I was only bringing that up because the, all the games in the in the series are intertwined. If you did not know, they're intertwined. It's like the... They're also self-contained for the mo- like this game. This is a good jumping-on point for anybody that's played it. Now there's there is like one thing that they did that like the Joshua and Estelle stuff, I think they did it, uh, just because it's a new cast, so they wanted to have someone, you know, some people like characters that are recognizable, you know, so it's not just all new, so they can still like hook some of the older pl- like people that played the older games, but at this point it doesn't matter. But they had a payoff from the first three games, in this fourth game, which if you start, it's like. It's not the whole Ren stuff, you know? It's a lot more... You probably would get a little bit more out of it than you did if you just played this game first. Yeah, I would imagine, because apparently, like, you've met the the parents before in the other games, and you know, like, stuff like what happened... Like, you know the whole thing about what happened to Ren. Yeah, you and, know everything uh, about Ren and her parents and all that kind of stuff from the... Well, really, you don't learn that till the third game, but you learn part of it in the second game. Um, you get more into, into detail in the third game, but it's like, well, a whole, it's like a whole well, like, thing for three games and it like pays off and you're like, Oh, <laughs> well, don't they, uh, don't they treat the parents as like bad guys or something? And then you learn like they're not in this game. So that's kind of like a big, well, she deal. doesn't, that might be the reveal, but she, they don't, she thinks of them like that, but I think she, at first, but then they learn that it wasn't their fault. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, that's cool. But they definitely go uh, away, like the whole where she's hiding in the closet thing, like that's way more detail than you get uh, in the first three games. Oh, okay. Well, it's like more of their side of the story. You hear, you hear her side where what everything she had to go through, which is fucking di- disturbing. And for such a light game, you know, like there's a lot of disturbing shit that's beneath the surface. You don't under- you, you don't realize. So. Just like real life. Yeah, it's, it, uh, exactly. That's why I get so into this shit. <laughs> uh, um, all right, well, let's get back on. Let's get back on track here. So, um, the uh, as we kind of just explained, the uh, the Zero no Kiseki is kind of a small part in a larger series, uh, which is the Umbrella Legend of Heroes. There were three games, or I think. I think it was three games that are part of the Gargoth trilogy um, that are also Trails of Heroes games, but they're not in this continuity. 
Uh, I think somebody I read somewhere somebody tried to say they they take place like a thousand years before uh, the world state of the current Trails of Heroes timeline or whatever, and then like other people said they're like shared worlds. It's all kinds of stuff, yeah. but essentially they had like another series. It didn't do that hot, so like we're starting over. Well, I have a theory. Uh, I guess that. my own theory. Okay. Um, you find out later, I think in the like in the Cold Steel Four, that you there's only so far you can sail on a ship where you, uh, from like the continent that they're on now that were you automate like somehow just get turned back around. So I think. There's like a magic barrier that separates the first uh, Legend of Hero games from this this game, these like uh, Trails games. <laughs> well, there's something like that at the third game, I think. Uh, there are like weird uh, like force force fields or something around the continents, and you have to like teleport between the continents or something yeah 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 so i think... I, haven't, I haven't played them but i just this is kind of just like a hearsay from like two fucking years ago that i'm kind of yeah. remembering sort of so i think they they could uh connect them all if they wanted to but then i think that it gives them like so how, how long it took so long to get crossbow made but they had to make sure it was like they're gonna make money on this you know like now it's like for sure that any trails game they put out they're gonna make money on so they can remake those games because the like from what I've like in reviews and stuff the translations are really really bad and that's why they didn't do so well and and they released them out of order here for the Legend of the yeah for the PSP yeah I bought them all and I played the first one which I guess is like the second one or something yeah. so uh, things were weird yeah and I only played it like on the bus because it's a mobile thing I don't like handhelds at all so like I played on the bus for like five hours and the gameplay was like all right and stuff. It's definitely a very rudimentary uh, system that uh, the Sky series and the Crossbell series used. It's super rudimentary, uh, but it, it was enjoyable. And it, but it does carry the same kind of spirit yeah. of these games in that like there's lots of dialogue. They try to develop the characters. It's just really rough. Yeah, it's like their first tr- attempt. I mean, the the legend of heroes like I, guess, I think it goes back to like the 80s and stuff where they have them on on like regular PCs or Apple PCs or something. And if you really want to look into that, but it goes, it goes way back, but we could probably do a whole show on the history. I think there's like a couple good YouTube videos, uh, that go back into the history of everything. So it's like 30 years or 40 years in the making. Well, I guess once we get enough experience, we can too. Why not? Yeah. Do it, do it worse than all of them. Four hours. So, I like that. <laughs> I like that this game though goes back and you know it shrinks down the cast. Uh, basically, starting over with a new cast of characters that you that they develop from like you know nothing. So they do have characters that you recognize, and I think they did that just to make it a little bit more comfortable for players that don't don't want to have to start all over again, I guess. But. Um, they do like the four characters you do get are i think uh you get was it lloyd ellie randy and teo um those are really those they definitely mesh well and work well together and like the whole their whole dynamic yeah i prefer like an ensemble cast like this over like one where you have a lead and then like supporter characters that don't get any screen time yeah 
I guess you yeah. said Lloyd's the, I mean, he was the, and it's a good reason. Like they have reasons for things, not just because like, Hey, Lloyd's the leader because he's the only one that passed the detective exam. Like, you know, something so small and simple as that, but it makes a lot of sense. You're like, he's a de facto leader because he's the only one that passed that exam. And you're like, everyone's the only one that went to police academy. Yeah. He's the only actual cop. <laughs> right. Uh, I thought Ellie, she took the police academy exam. She didn't go to the police academy, right? Ellie just passed it. No, I think she was being, like, trained to be a politician. And because she's the mayor's granddaughter, they just kind of, she's like, I want to go be, I want to go get some hands-on experience. And they're just kind of like, okay. No, I'm yeah, sure she did. passed the test because she said she aced it. Did she? Yeah. I Google that. I'm pretty sure she did, though. Uh, Kevin, were you trying to say something? Me or Kyle? Kyle. Oh, no. No. Okay. Um, but yeah, to keep going on some of the, just the intro, like this game is one of two. And like I said before, like the, the next one's Azure and it comes out in March. Um, and this and Crossbell go hand in hand. They take place concurrently. So things that happen, there's some things that happen in, in the next game that kind of affect uh, the Cold Steel guys a little bit. And then Lloyd, uh, there's some spoilers, about, but Lloyd and everyone shows up at least in 3 and 4, if not earlier. But yeah. Um, do you remember, well, no, that's in the Zero, so I don't want to talk about that yet. Oh, all right. So you're right, you're right. Ellie apparently got perfect scores on the theoretical, theoretical exam and mark, marksmanship. I guess she mentions that at the very beginning. Yeah. Which talks about a gun. And then uh, Randy was in, like, the army version of the police, but there's no police. There's no army for Crossbell because they're, like, a, a city-state. Well, the, the closest equivalent would be Japan's National Defense Force. Yeah. Because they, they legally or whatever can't have a, a standing army, so they have a defense force. Right, so that's what Randy is, and then he, uh, well, his his commander he doesn't respect and is a piece of shit, um, which you find out in this game, uh, which I thought that was kind of a lost opportunity. They could have, like, shown us that guy, but they never do. I don't know if he shows up in the next game or not, but... <clears throat> um, I, guess, I mean, I guess he's largely relevant to the plot. Yeah. Well, he's a little relevant at the end there. Um... That's a largely, so yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's also the reason why Randy's not in the the, the Guardian Force, which he explains if he have his Bond event. Yes. So, so um, and then Tio is just like one of these genius kids, uh, that is orbital technology is still kind of new, and she's testing out the staff kind of like they they have one of those in each one of the games basically. Uh, Anything else you want? Even on the even in the Sky series, there's an Orbital Staff user. Is that Tito or something? Yeah, Tita. Okay, okay, Tita. Think My bad, I haven't played it yet. <laughs> yeah, well, each like there's like, basically like three geniuses, and they all kind of have their own Orbital technology, you know. So. Uh, I think it's not a genius though. Oh no, he doesn't have one. Yes, what the fuck does Elliot have? I can't remember what his weapon is. Elliot? He has a staff too, right? Yeah, Elliot has and a staff. so does Emma. 
Emma's more of a witch, though. It's different. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, so anyway, back to this game. <laughs> uh, you already said that they these four characters make up the special support section. Uh, yeah, that's I didn't say that part, but yes, they all okay. are the new this new police force. Um, so the first three games are about bracers. Uh, this game is about the special support section. Uh, the SSS, they are um, like the police version of bracers. So, like the police have a lot of bad will in Crossbell because it's all corrupt. Um, basically, the mafia runs the city, and like part of the, one mafia is run by you know uh, Arabonia, and the other mafia is run by um, from Calabart. So. It's a very, very corrupt area, and um, people don't trust the police, so they create this special support section to kind of get some good PR, for the most part. For some context on the mafias, uh, one is more akin to like a New York like gangster mafia, and the other is more like a triad mafia. Yeah. And then there's like also sub-gangs like gangs in there, too, so it's kind of it's pretty deep. But uh, we can get more into that in story. So that uh, see, so we, we already mentioned that the this and Azure form the Crossbell arc, and uh, you said they tie in uh, to the Cross uh, Cold Steel series because they play at the same time, at least the first two games in, in both of them. Um, so this game was released first in Japan. In 2010, like I said, on the PSP, and then it was later ported to Windows for a Chinese release in 2011. Um, the enhanced port, I think, I don't know if that was the Kai version yet, um, but there was another uh, port that was sent to the Vita, which had uh, additional voice acting and improved visuals, which was called the Evolution version, and that was in 2012. Um, and then it took eight years for an English fan translation to come out. Uh, it was released in 2020 by the Geofront team, and people could patch either the PC version or the Evolution version uh, to play this game in English finally. Um, and then Miss America, I guess, purchased the rights for the translation from the team, and I think hired a couple of them on to do the official translation for the PS4 version, the Windows version, and the Switch version that was coming to the West. But there's also two versions of that, uh, in that uh, there's the these versions are based off the Kai version, which is uh, I guess there was an upgrade at some point. I think I think that's the Windows version that was originally made. Um, so these, if you play it on the PS4, it's just a straight uh, port of the Kai version with an English translation. But if you play the Switch or the PC version, that is the enhanced port of the Kai version which has uh, additional uh, texture upgrades and quality of life improvements that were added by a um, third-party modding team that were hired. I'm not sure why uh, it wasn't added to the PS4 version. It might have been some kind of contracting with Falcom. Yeah, what I heard is Falcom said that they couldn't, do, they couldn't change the PlayStation version. The only reason they could do it to PC and um, Switch is because those versions didn't exist yet so basically they made it from scratch well unfortunately if you want to port your save data over uh, you have to buy uh, whatever version 
of the game you want to play the future games on. Um, I heard that there may be... This is really only applicable to people that want to play on the PlayStation because the Rivery game uses save data from the Cold Steel as uh, 3 and 4 as well as the Azure uh, game, I believe. Uh, and those games are on the Switch. So Rivery is on the Switch, but then I've also heard that the Switch version of Rivery gives you the, uh, the option to do the data transfer regardless. Like, you can uh, you can say that you played the other games or something, and it gives you the bonuses. I don't know. So it may be relevant. It may not be. Um, but I guess that's also a thing you have to keep in mind if you want to play the series going forward. Uh, if you want to play an inferior version or not, then I want to put inferior in quotes because I played the PS4 version, and I really didn't notice anything looked bad. But I'm also not a stickler for graphics and shit, so yeah, your mileage that. may vary. There's not too much of a difference. There's yes, some a little bit of quality of life things, but um, it's not. Well, the people, the, I guess the people, the thing that people harped on the most was like a chat log. Um, I don't really give a fuck about that. Like I already read it. Yeah. I don't need to go back and reread it again. I'll just play the fucking game again if I want to. Right. Yeah. But. Uh, well, that wraps up the I guess the intro. Is anything anybody wants to add before we move on to gameplay? Yeah. Uh, you guys got it. Alrighty. Uh, so gameplay. Uh, I will hand this off over to Kevin. Uh, Kyle, if you want to interject at any point, feel free. I will as well. <clears throat> All right. Um, so I guess we uh, we'll start with the battle system. Um, I feel like it's pretty unique battle system. While it is turn based, it is a grid as well where. Um, all your characters are on a grid and you can move so many squares per turn. Um, basically, um, there's a stat called move and uh, as you increase that, you can move far farther across the battlefield. Um, some battlefields are small, some are bigger. Um, and towards the end, they do have falling floors, which they do incorporate into other games too, where you basically lose a couple turns when you fall through the floor. Um, but I just want to say real quick that if anybody who's listening has ever played Dungeons and Dragons, this is probably the closest I've been emulated to like that kind of tabletop experience. One hundred percent correct. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Oh, really? I didn't. So I never really played Dungeons and Dragons like in real life. So um, yeah, the, the grid's pretty much dead to rights for what you do in D and D. And so everything has like a range. So your attack, some uh. And everyone, like, so what also I love about this kind of game, this game is, like, every character is unique, um, where Lloyd has his own, like, weapon and his own attack range, so does Randy, so does Tio, so, so does Ellie. And um, Ellie has a gun, so she can, basically has a lot more range than, you know, Lloyd, who has, the, what are they, Tauntauns, or what, what would you call them? Tauntauns. Yeah. What, what was that? Okay. <clears throat> so, like, yeah, so his weapon is close range. Um, so you kind of, you can basically, not basically, but there's a lot of different ways you can um, battle in a, once you've, like, learned the systems. Um, so spells are called arts uh, in this game. So everyone has arts they have. Um Everyone's unique abilities are called crafts. Um, 
and yeah there's some, there might be some that are kind of alike there's you know different types of crafts you can use um so like for example lloyd has a craft that will cancel uh someone's arts uh so does ellie has a, uh, one like that but ellie's has more range than i think lloyd's does um but uh like yeah some crafts uh take a long time to to use um which i'm, I'm gonna get all over the place on this <laughs> Uh, I guess, uh, what else? Yeah, there's, there's a lot in the system, honestly, um, yeah, to go fun. about for the, for the battle. You covered most of it, um, getting into battle, running to enemies on an overworld map. You can attack them to get advantage oh. beforehand. That's kind of nice. Um, your magic changes throughout combat based on what different courts you have equipped to your characters. You can be pretty versatile throughout the game. Um, and... Yeah, I guess that's really, really for the battle system. They get uh Well, I guess the one other thing for for turn based sometimes in certain dungeons or areas, based on what turn order you have, that character will get a special, say, healing bonus, um, automatic critical, vanishing capabilities, instant death attack. So that was that was pretty cool too in the battle system. I thought. Yeah. So. Uh... Yeah, some some other things. Um, there's not a lot in this battle system, so it's it's really 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 well done. There's a lot of, that goes into it. Um, on the world map, uh, every every uh, monster uh, is on on the field, so you can see them. You can try to avoid them. Uh, everyone can use their weapon on the map to kind of detour the the monster if you don't want to fight them. So if you shoot them in the front, they might get a little um, distracted so you can run past them if you want to um you can also shoot them from behind and get a tactical advantage where you'll have first attack and a lot of them are critical i think most of the time is a critical attack uh and also there's a team rush you can do uh i'm not sure how what the parameters are of getting a team rush besides like a preemptive attack but most of the time that's i've seen it a couple other times in battle where they show up but most of the time it's a preemptive attack um, I think it's random. It's what just it randomly shows up because I only saw it like maybe twice the entire three games I played through in like a normal battle, but it wasn't already like preemptively striking. Right. So you can all course normal attack. Um, everyone has their own kind of crafts, like I was saying. Uh, you can use items in battle. So there's like um, recovery items, and there's also if there's cooking in this game, you can use your dishes that you made in uh, cooking to help you and some of them have like most of the cooking stuff has a lot of uh, uh, things you can't just get from regular items like you know strength up uh, defense up CP up um, things like that uh, so CP uh, so there's uh, HP which is hit points EP which is like your magic points I can't remember what that stands for uh but CP, I think, I believe, stands for craft points. So uh, to use your crafts, which is like everyone's skills, you have to use craft points. You build those up, you know, normally throughout the battle. I think you get like five or six per turn or something like that, and they they don't go away after battle. So you can kind of accumulate them um, with a max of two hundred CP. Uh, the higher your CP is, I think, the stronger your craft uh, attack will be. 
Um, once you get to 100 CP, you can do a, what they call an S-Craft, which is like your, for, for a layman's terms, uh, like your limit break. Um, if you get 200 S CP, your, your, your S-Craft is like the max uh, attack it could be. Um, so like, so for, there's different types of S-Crafts as well. So some people have like a healing S-Craft. Um, Tio, for example, has an S-Craft where it's like hers will give you uh, basically null any kind of damage, magic or attack damage for one turn. But if you have two, uh, 200 CP, it's two turns, which really um, I used that the final battle where I was trying to do under 40, uh, I think it was under 30 or 40. For your level 40 level 40 yeah. and the mo like the, the final boss would just like one shot me after like you can tell when he's gonna do his one shot attack and i would time it i timed it so i used tio's uh special and so no one died um but there's a lot of strategies I, I had to retry that fight like three times and then eventually i figured out you could actually just move out of the way yeah you can move out of the way too but it's <laughs> But when the floors fall, you can't really move all the way either. Like you kind of. Uh, you can actually. So there's. It has. He has the two little like kind of like uh, two by eight or maybe not that long. Like two by four maybe. Like uh, grids next to him on the sides. You yeah. can just walk onto those. Yeah, but some, some people can't get there in time. <laughs> uh, well, if you know about it, then it's easy. It's easy to just bypass without having to waste any crafts or whatever. But it pissed me off that I died three times to that motherfucker. Well, that's good that, that that guy killed you three times and you're such a you know an experienced gamer. Like it actually gave you a challenge, you know. It's not a challenge when everything just gets one shot, and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Is this a, is this an art? Is this a craft? I couldn't I can't interrupt it. Like, what well, the hell? That's, that's the thing too. Like I, most games, like this is the first one I've played where like you know your interrupt craft doesn't work on some uh, monster, like some bosses, which like I've never had that in any other uh, trails game before. Um, so that was kind of annoying. Uh, well, yeah, and it doesn't show up on their like stat screen that they might be immune to that because I don't think there's like a status yeah. for that. So, like the first time it, it didn't it didn't work. I was like maybe I missed the debuff or something. So I used it with the other character and, then, and it still didn't work. And then I got my shit pushed yeah. in. Yeah, I was like okay. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So yeah, uh, where was I? I think I was on items. <clears throat> uh, there's also attack dishes, which kind of they don't really do anything. Um, you can run and in battle. So if you ever if you get a surprise attack, your run percent is zero. Um, every time you use it, it goes up ten percent. I think if you do a normal uh, battle, I think it's fifty. And if you uh, initiate combat or if you're surprise attack I think it's 70% maybe it's 90 if you're if you shoot them in, from behind um, but there's also a thing called smoke bomb you can use that changes your percentage to 100 um, in other games the smoke bomb automatically makes you run away so they kind of get make that a little bit better uh, another thing you can do battle is move so you, you can use your one turn to move wherever you want in battle so like we we're saying if there is uh, someone charging up an ultimate attack, you can move all your guys out of the way. Um, everyone is e has a let's see. Everyone is equipped with their own weapon. Um, 
So everyone has their own u unique weapon, and they all ha everyone has like what? What's the thing the uh, the magic and the arts come from? What's that called? The orbits. So everyone has. Uh, yeah, orbit. Yes. But what's the thing the orbs go in? What's that called? The orb meant. Orb. L R B M E N T. Yeah, I call them orbs. Sure. But like, isn't it isn't that thing called the orbman? I feel it's called something else. Um, All right, let's see. Uh, anyways, your quartz. Well, the version that they have is the right. It's like quartz. The quartz are orbs. So your quartz. I don't know. Quartz and or are orbs. I don't know. There's slots. Basically, yeah, you it's, have like it's a, called the orbment. It's I do it. It's just it's a uh, combat orbment. Okay, so you have orbment, and the quartz go into the orbment. Basically, it's like a cell phone if you kind of think of it like that. And in the cell phone, you can put orb. There's little, little slots you can put orbs in, um, depending on what kind of orbs you put in. Well, uh, all right. Well, we should probably get this. This is probably why you get confused because the things are called quartz that you put into the orbment. Yes. Okay. So it's kind of confusing. Yes. It's a it's a pretty unique system. I don't think anyone else has, but um, uh, it's kind of like I guess it's kind of like materia if you look at it like that. But instead of having them on weapons, you have basically like a quartz holder that uh, it's called orbment, an orbment. Um, and there's different types of quartz you can put in. Uh, there's they're all uh, based on elements. So there's like wind. Uh, fire, earth, uh, water, uh, time, space, and mine? No, time mirage. Space. Mirage. And those are the elements of the you know this universe. <clears throat> and depending on how you set up, like, so each orbment uh, is kind of set up differently depending on the character. And there's different lines for some some characters have like three lines or four lines or well maybe it's only three randy has three Tio has one everyone else has two i think um and the lines so the more orbs you have in a line they all kind of the the more they're worth like you know one of these orbs is wind times five some of it's wind times three earth times two and based on those uh conditions like the more orbs you have in a like the more wind slots you have in a line as you add them up they make different spells <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of confusing unless you're doing it. it's hard to explain i guess unless you can explain it better nick but uh the only explanation i can give you is that the game provides you an in-game list to look up the with pictures uh, it's like a picture with text on it and it tells you uh how many uh, different uh types of the element you need uh, a particular quartz in your ornament to unlock a spell and uh, you just have to hope for the fucking best I guess unless you want to map out stuff I didn't I just threw shit on that I thought it would be good to each of the characters and eventually I got uh, the best spell in the game on my two mages and that's all I used what spell so, was that? Uh, last divide or something it's the, it's the high level space spell it does a fuck ton of damage. Yeah. And I, I had the Gemini Quartz on Ellie and Tio, so they had half cast speed. Yep. And uh, then I would just have um, Lloyd and Randy run up into the middle. Sometimes if the enemies were able to be sucked in by the uh, 
sucking spell, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I would suck them in and then just target the middle of that area with Tio and Ellie, and they would do like 10k damage to everything. Is that Dark Matter? Dark Matter, yeah, that's a sucking in one. Yeah, yeah, um, and then, the, like, last, whatever the fuck, last, uh, let's see. Also, with the quartz, while you're looking that up, um, some slots you have to use certain kind of, like, so Ellie, she has to use two of her slots as wind uh, quartz, which kind of limits her, you know, so I made her more, her, I tailored her more towards, like, wind arts so she had you know thunder cyclone towards the end where you know at the lat like the ma the major bosses don't really have a weakness so really just went to your highest attack spell um in my opinion like it doesn't make that bit much of a difference maybe it does i don't know um uh and it well each spell has like a power level but it doesn't tell you in game what it is okay i just figured the yeah, it's like each quartz or each craft or whatever yeah so I just try to go with what was easier and the more passive effects uh, I would try to get onto uh, my characters like mine three, so her arts would go up and EP cut three, uh, you know that kind of stuff where all her arts would go up for Ellie and Tio, for Randy I would use more fire uh, quartz because he's got one fire slot and then. You know, most of those are attack ups, and he gains. So, Randy has a move, a, a craft that costs zero CP, and it takes away his uh, hit points in exchange for 60 CP. And then I had him equipped with um, champion belts and stuff like that, so he would always be able to do an S craft within maybe one or two turns. Um, so, also with the S craft system. As soon as you get 100 CP in battle, you can uh, override everyone, like all the other actions that are uh, upcoming, uh, and do their S craft right away. So you don't have to wait uh, for your turn on that. So it, the only problem with that is it like doubles your delay that you normally take from using the S craft. Okay, I didn't realize that, but like like I had Rainy set up so um, he would he was getting up to 100 CP really really quick. Um, and then I had uh, Lloyd I had him set up as my evade tank which he can get up to 85 evasion um, so most uh, if I would have him go into the middle of the battle and most of the he would draw, draw most of the aggro and then they would miss him and he would automatically counterattack yada 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 um, as you get into the more deeper into the games uh you can get up to over a hundred evasion, and then there's quartz that like always crit if you evade attack. So it really, really gets uh, more in depth later. But uh, that's basically what I used uh, Lloyd for was kind of more the aggro and his defense. He has high defense and good evasion. So those are the four characters, and there's different ways you can play them too. You can make everyone a mage. You can make everyone attacker. That type of thing. Um, but that's the basics, I would say, on battle. Is there something else I'm missing? I guess there's tactics you can... I don't think you can place anyone on the grid on this one, right? 
Oh, you can. Uh, you, can you can change your formation. Beforehand, yeah. Yeah, there is a. You can change the formation so you can put like I never mess with it. I guess I should have put Ellie in the back, and Randy and Lloyd up front. But okay, I just I just saw that. Okay, cool. Um. So yeah, there's that. Uh. I'm impressed. You beat the whole game without changing formation at all. There's sometimes I had like in a monster chest, I'd open it up and then I'd like the front line would just be immediately obliterated. So I'm like, okay, let me reload my save and put everybody in different corners. So only one person gets fucked up at a time. I always made sure I had 200 CP when I opened one of those monster chests, so I just had everyone do their S-craft. Yeah, my Kevin's side on this one. I didn't change my formation until, I think, three fights before the last fight. Didn't even realize he could. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's impressive, but also disappointing to me. Because <laughs> I feel like he took the fun out of some of those fights. Just by obliterating him, but I guess that's that's fun for me though. Possible. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I suppose. I love s crafting, so that's my favorite thing to do. Uh, yeah, I pretty much played the same way as you. I had Randy and um, and Lloyd on the s crafts and Ellie healing, To continual casting. Yeah, and everyone gets a second s craft that's better than the first, but Ellie's is more of an attack one, so I kept her because hers will revive and give everyone half HP unless you have two hundred CP, which gives you full life back. And then Tio has the one where, like I said, she'll give you like the, um, basically like, a protective shell, for two turn for two two hits really. Um, that really helped on that level fifty fight. Um, but what was I saying? Oh, there's a hotel you can go to. So there's a there's a hotel, the Millennial Hotel, whatever. If you stay there, you get two. You get full CP, two hundred CP. So I just did that before I went on any. Uh, before I started a new like, uh, if I had to go to the west or to the east or whatever I was going, I had to, wherever I, was, I always had full CP just in case I came across a couple of those uh, chests right away, and I would have that ready to go. Technically, there's like four hotels, and only the fancy one in town, uh, in the main town. Uh, gives you 200 CP. The other ones that are in like the villages only give you 100. Yeah, so I never use those. Or, or if I knew there was like a, a chest, I would have Randy at least get up to uh, 200 CP. So I'd do a couple battles and have him build up his CP. Uh, so that way, when I went right to that, I would then I would heal him up. And then when we went to the chest, I would just, you know, S craft him. So. We didn't realize you could uh, gain CP at that hotel. I just slept in the uh, SSS building and fought small enemies before I got to the chests. <laughs> well, yeah, if you, I think it says uh, when you first go into that hotel, like, hey, if you stay here, um, you can get full CP. I'm pretty sure. That's... But you might. Yeah, but it's just it's a one and done text box. That's it. Yeah. 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 So if you don't pay attention, that one. 30 second, you know, text box, then yeah. So, uh, anything else for battle? Uh, uh, the other thing I would say is you cannot defend in this game. You can only move your character out of maybe the way. Okay. Which, which struck me as extremely odd. Like I, there'd be times where I couldn't leave, uh, like a field of attack and I'm like, can I just block the damage? No? Okay, I guess I'll just fucking eat a face full of shit. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I think um, they, they definitely make this better in later games where you can have 100% break on your attack. You know? 
or like that's the thing like if you don't have like 30 cp for lloyd you're yeah you're gonna eat a face full of shit so well, even before i got that ability there'd be some times where i'm like fuck uh i can't stop this thing from happening yeah great which is it's only an issue in like games like this that have like a more complex system because you don't get any of the really good tools until the end of the game and it's like a weird I don't want to say it's like a weird balance but it's like one of those bell curve things yeah or maybe not even it's like a just like a descending graph a straight line down where like the heart the beginning of the game is the hardest and then like you get to the middle of the game where there's like a decent challenge and then the end of the game usually in most games it's like brainless because you have all the best shit yeah and all most of the shit's overpowered as fuck or you've like learned the strategies and then it, I guess it's that whole like uh, power. How's that thing called? Like the power fantasy, where like you just overwhelm all, all opposition or whatever. Yeah. That's and cool. a lot of people like that stuff. Yeah. It's not really my cup of tea because then it gets boring. That's why I don't S-craft everything because I want to actually play the game. And like, oh, this is a challenge. I'm going to go in and see if I can overcome this challenge. And like, I'm not like trying to like diss you guys or anything. No. It's just my personal. But that's the beauty of it. that's the beauty of this game is that you can do both. Oh, for sure. So it's it, it it appeals to a lot more people than just one way or the other. So, um, character growth, it you just gain experience through uh, battles, and it's like once you hit a certain level in the chapter, you're basically just getting one experience points from. Uh, the monsters so you don't really need to fight battles anymore um oh one thing i didn't i forgot about uh gameplay or at least the battle system once you get to a certain level and you're going through old areas because so, you go through a lot of the same areas over and over again um monsters do run away from you and you can like kill them on screen like not on the battle screen you can like attack them and just they turn into to sept which is like the kind of like the money system so Anything else about character growth? Uh, after you, you gain skills through level up, um, there's no like uh, skills you just have to buy or anything like that. They just come through leveling. Uh, there's some that come through questing, but those are irrelevant mostly. But they're all the ones you do quest. It's like you have to do the quest, right? You can't just no. They're the they're like the end game hunt quest where you get the cop attacks for like uh, oh, cool. the remaining characters. Yeah, so the co op ones, but those are the only ones you can miss, I think. Um, for mini games, there's not. I, th I thought there would be more mini games, but there's not that many in this. Because uh, I think a lot of the quests, like the side quests you do, are kind of more of like a mini, like they're more one offs and stuff, where it's kind of like a mini game in itself. But uh, the 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 main mini games in this is uh, there's a fishing mini game which is in every trails game um, where you catch different fish and um, you have like a fishing book and the goal is to collect them all and once you do you get a good quartz from it and you raise up in rank in uh, the fishing world I guess like the fishing guild um, uh, and then there's like a little cat that is on the top of the SS building. If you feed him a, a fish every chapter, uh, he will give you a quartz, a special quartz as well. 
Is that the one that gives you a quarter or half? Uh, yeah, that's Gemini Quartz. Yeah, that's the good one. So, yeah, you definitely want that one. Um, oh, shit, what fish was that? It could be anything. You can give him cat food. You just have to feed him every chapter. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, you just get the one at the end. Okay, I thought mm-hmm. there was more than one. No. Well, there's technically two for reducing cast time. You have the weak one, which is just called cast, which is 25%, and then the Gemini course yeah, is the I 50%. I Gemini and cast on, my, on T.O. and Ellie, so it was really, they really, like, basically the next turn they would go for the most part. Oh, I didn't realize they stacked because some of the st- other stuff doesn't stack. So I, my brain was like, okay, you obviously can't stack multiple of the same type of quartz, but yeah, I guess I was wrong about that. Most of the quartz stack, which don't? Uh, Anything that gives you a stat buff? Like, you can't stack evade quartz, you can't stack move quartz, you can't stack attack quartz, you can't stack shield quartz. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. You can't have, like, attack 3 and attack 2. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, because they're different quartz, you can stack those ones. Yeah, that's... But they had the same... They had a similar effect, which, in my brain, means they're the same type of quartz, and they can't be installed at the same time. So I just replaced uh, the cats with the... The cast quartz with Gemini quartz, and I was fine. It served, it served me better anyway, because then I had a more varied yeah. spell pool. Yeah, because cast really is not that great. It does help uh, with the, the time, but it only gives you three time cor- like, you know, three in the time slot, which is not that great. So sometimes you gotta, like, make exceptions, like, I want this, but then it reduces my spell list, you know? So it's like, you want something that has a lot of different... Uh, Besides, gives you a lot of different, um, I guess, uh, like values for the different yeah, the elements. Va- values for elements. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Because some of them will give you like eight value, or like the mo- like the best uh, attack quartz will give you five fire. Whereas like invigorate, like invigorate gives you three fire, two wind, one uh, earth. So it's like. And that's like you gain CP by attacking enemies on the field, which isn't isn't that great. It's okay, but it's not that great. So I don't know. It's just like... well, it's better than plus three to your fucking strength because like you put an attack quartz on, and like, I see my strength go from like three hundred one to three hundred and six or something. I'm like, this is worthless. <laughs> Fuck this quartz. But I think it scales up a lot. That know. shit was worthless to me, man. All this, I didn't put any stat buffing shit on any of my characters because it all sucked. The only thing that was maybe valuable was HP, but at that, uh, even at the end game, like my character would be one shot by the bosses anyway. Sometimes and I'm like, all right, well that's shit's a waste of a slot anyway. Hmm. Like uh, especially Garcia with his fucking killing bear crap bullshit, one shot everybody like eight thousand damage or something. It's like all right, <laughs> whatever. And then I'm playing through two where I learned the value of debuffing. Oh yeah. That made a world of difference. Yeah, debuffs a lot, like, actually help in this game. While most bosses, you can't, like, give them status elements, you can debuff them or buff yourself. You can debuff them and buff yourself, so you can actually make Lloyd, like, another good thing to make Lloyd would be, like, your buffer, because, like, other than that, he he kind of is the suckiest character, in my opinion. Uh, whereas, like, Randy is your attacker, and, like, Tio and Ellie are, like, your mage and healers. Like Randy or like Lloyd kind of is the suckiest one for the main character. That's usually not the case. So, totally the case. They're the most average of all the characters in every almost every game. The main character is the one that's kind of just 
average, but then you have like your focused tank, or you have your focused yeah. damage dealer, or you have your focused mage. So well, they are able to have higher peaks, but the lead character can usually cover more, more things, like a jack of all trades. Well, wait till you get Reen. <laughs> he just becomes a fucking tank in Matt. Like, he's good at everything. Well, he's a leaf swordsman or whatever, so he's special. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what else? There's a casino where you can play, like, blackjack and poker and roulette. And there's a casino or slot machine. that are your basic kind of casino games. And then you can use those to buy... There's some armor you can buy. There's some other things, but there's not that. The only really thing you need out of there is like there's a dartboard for Randy you can get, which helps his. Uh, what are those points called? They're behind the scenes. Bond points. Bond. There's bonding points that are behind the scene. You can't tell what they are. Somehow someone figured it out. I don't know how. Yeah, you can. It's on the records. And what? Yeah, if you press, to go to the menu, go to records or whatever. Or wherever it has like a save, load, whatever, there's like a records thing and it shows you your achievements. If you go down to the bottom right where the bond trophies are uh, hidden, it shows you hearts for each of the characters. And there's 65 points total you can get, and each heart represents five points. Wait, where is this at? Press start. Okay. <laughs> go to the menu, or whatever, go to the bottom option, whatever that is. The one with the characters' faces on it? Uh, are, are you on the. So are you like in the game right now? Yeah. Uh, and you press start, and you're at like the, the inventory menu and status and all that shit. Yeah. Uh, okay, go to the very bottom option, I think. System. Yeah, system. Record. Yeah, record, and then go to the bottom right. Holy shit! Wow. Okay. Helps to explore things. <laughs> Well, I thought those were just, like, the trophies, so I didn't really look at them. Uh, I looked at them all the time, because I wanted to see how close I was to stuff, like, because it does a pretty good job tracking, like, uh, how many, like, percentage of monsters you've killed for the 1,000 kills or whatever fuck trophy and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I looked at some of that stuff pretty regularly. Well, I did look at, like, the combat book and that kind of stuff, if that's what you're talking about. No, I definitely looked in the records. But I never looked at the records, so the combat records or, yeah, I looked at that or, like, you know, the recipe or the detective one where you can see, like, where you, but, yeah, I didn't know about the heart one. Because if you go over to where, like, it shows the treasures, like, if you found all the treasures or the, um, if you've done 2,000 battles or, or killed 2,000 enemies or done oh. 1,000 battles or whatever the fuck it is, uh, like, there's, like, a percentage on the top right of okay. the thing that shows you how close you are so i just followed that okay um another part of the game is book collecting uh so there's i w i didn't read the book i was going to read the book for the show this uh pod but i forgot so there's a book in this game i'll send you a link to it i did read it, it wasn't bad what was it about uh somebody's has like a crystallization disease and a backstreet doctor is helping to cure it after he failed to cure it in someone a number of years before so all these books like are definitely something that really happened in the mythos of the of the series so that book really happened to some character that that's going to get introduced later <laughs> all right so i need to read it eventually 
Oh, I posted it in the Discord, so okay. anybody can go in there and listen or read it if they'd like. It's like what, fourteen chapters? Yeah, but each chapter is what, four or five pages? But in the game it was like thirteen or something, so it was like yeah, oh, ten or eleven in the game. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna read that. I was gonna do that for my hundred hours, but then I did it by just leaving the game running sometimes, so um, and then there's cooking. So, like I was saying before, uh, there's a recipe book you get, and then you find you get the recipes from different NPCs for the different chapters in the game. Um, and there's like a good dish, there's like a regular dish, a good dish, and a bad dish, um, or you can fail all together and you get like some kind of crap um, item. But you can use these dishes in battle, and they all do different random things. Uh, some are really really good some are okay but uh they really help um you know for like that level 50 battle i had to you know if you want to have something that gives you your cp back really quick i had that for that battle uh later but um anything else mini games uh, all i would say is that you can spend your achievement points to uh unlock the mini games on the main menu after the you finish the game i think yeah also if you play the evolution version on the vita you also have access to the darts mini game and something else oh yeah i remember what it is so the evolution ones are the one that came out later that's on the vita gotcha so we got the it's got, we're playing the we PSP. got the, the psp version pretty much so it got ported to the windows okay um, and the evolution version has more quests and more dialogue and shit, so it's technically the superior version. I don't know why they didn't import that one, but yeah, that's weird. They didn't do that. Um, traversal, basically, you're on foot for the most of the game. Uh, you do get fast travel later once you get the map after the prologue, where you can fast travel to anywhere in the city and yeah, basically anywhere in the city, um, and then. After the first chapter, you get access to the buses, where the buses will take you to any of the outskirts, um, which is kind of annoying. Uh, I wish you could just fast travel, you know, to wherever after you've been there. So that's one something I wish they would have did a little bit better. I think they do that better than the other games, but um, then there's one part in chapter four where you get the the, the tank basically or whatever the the UTV. And you can go to a little bit more, like, outskirts areas, which is not everywhere. Um, I think that's about it, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, shops. Um, there's a bunch of different shops. Uh, there's only one shop where you can get weapons and one shop where you can upgrade the weapons. Uh, there's a shop where you can, so the, for the ornaments, um, you start off where you have to unlock all the ornaments and then you can upgrade them once. Um, so some quartz are like, you need two ornament slots or two of the ornament slots open, uh, to use them, like the, the higher quartz. Um, so there's a shop for that. There's a shop where you can buy just like food ingredients. There's a shop where you can buy like, like different shops have different armors you can buy. I think that's a lot of the shops have a lot, a lot of different armors. Each of the little towns has like a shop where it like has a bunch of different random stuff where it's a little bit of everything. So when you're like 
out that far for a different chapter. You don't have to go all the way back to the main town for the specialty shops. Um, there's a lot of different food vendors, so the foods you make eventually, or all the different food shops, um, eventually you do get the recipes for most of them. I'm not sure of all of them. Uh, like we were talking about before, there's a couple of different hotels. The one main hotel has uh, where you get 200 CP. Um, what else am I missing shop-wise? Did you do the exchange shop? Oh, yeah, the exchange shop where... You know, you can, if you have a three of like uh, attack one quartz, you can exchange them for one attack two quartz. And in this game, I don't think that's too relevant. There's a couple, th like, I think there's one weapon, or no, to get the last book, you have to do five of the Mishi pluses or plushes or something like that. But for the most part, you don't, that's the only thing you have to exchange in later games. Um, the exchanges are, there's some like unique items you can get there, or if you missed something in a previous chapter, you can usually do an exchange for it later. That's what they use those for in later games. This one is like, I think that might be the first game they had it in. Maybe it was in a previous one. I can't, I can't remember. Um, I never used it because the exchange rates were fucking awful. It's like three attack, one quartz for one attack, two, one. And I'm like, I, I just, it'd be more efficient for me to just make an attack, two quartz. Yeah, exactly. Game, in this game, it's uh not worth it. In later games, it, it is worth it. I will say I used it when I had I was getting like near eighty on my like third playthrough of like healing items, and I'm like, well, I could just take some of these shitty ones and convert them at yeah. a five to one ratio to a stronger one. Right. It's not like I'm gonna use the weak one anyway. Exactly. So that's where it's helpful. Um, but this game, yeah, I think they first, this might be the first or second game they had this in. I think it might be the first one. So they just figured, like, they just conceived of the idea. And it gets way better. Like, as the series goes on, they tweak these kind of systems, and they get a lot better. Um, especially the battle system gets a lot, lot better, I think. Some people might disagree, but... Um, anything else for shops? Nope. Okay. Well, I guess uh, I would just say that there you could exchange stuff at every shop, but there's a side quest you can do that makes it so the bank gives you more, but it's not much more. Oh, so, yeah. The bank... Okay, so the way to get... So you don't get money in this game from battles. You get Sept and... Right, so it's Sept. I'm pretty sure it's Sepith. Sepith? But they don't ever say it out loud, I don't think. That's how I would pronounce it, because it has... It's S-E-P-I-T-H. Sept... I don't know. There's uh, an I. So I would say the I, but that's me. Okay. Sepith? Or it's Sepith. a middle word, though, so I guess you can pronounce it however the fuck you want. <laughs> uh, use that. Okay, so you get that in battle. Uh, so you can use that com to convert into quartz, or you can sell it off, and there's an exchange rate. Um, the best exchange rate is at the bank, so don't do it anywhere else unless you really need, unless you are in a bind, you really need to buy something. Um, in later games, there's like a, there's a sept you get that is like colorless and doesn't do anything. And it's just basically for selling. Um, this one, they haven't introduced that yet. Uh, but most of the, like, 
time and space quartz or sept uh you can sell off i was selling that like off a hundred at a time just because you didn't need as much of it to unlock the uh slots so i think a lot of that kind of stuff with balance wise wasn't as great in this game as it is in later games <clears throat> but that's basically how you get money which is called mira in this game uh i don't know if you said this in the character growth section but for unlocking court slots uh the more that they are in line with each other the more expensive it gets so you do need a lot of sepith for some of the other characters like Tio. like her last slot will cost like a thousand of each sepith or whatever whereas like uh because Randy only has that one slot by itself or whatever at the bottom. His only costs like 100 to unlock. Okay. But each time you go down the list, like if they have more connected in line, everyone you unlock uh, that's connected, you get uh, like way more EP to your added uh, cap. And that's the only way to raise your EP. Yeah. Or like there's a EP quartz or something like that. Well, there's, yeah, but like uh, as like a base stat, yeah. you have to unlock new uh, slots on the orbit to get more over, EP. I think over stats, uh, there's strength, defense, your it's a arts, uh, basically ATS is arts, your arts uh, attack skill, arts defense, your speed, your movement, dexterity, agility, and range. So. Range is like your attack range. Movement is how many squares I think you can move in a turn. So uh, you can, I think it starts off like three or four, and it gets up to like ten or eleven or twelve, and that's like in a circle, I believe, right? You can go any direction uh, that many squares. So once you get to like eleven or twelve, it's basically the whole map. Um, uh, agility is, I think, how often you. Uh, it's evasion. Evasion, basically, which is weird because because I'm not sure. Like, I guess I can figure out what it like. You can get Lloyd up to 85, but I don't know if it's 85 plus his agility or if that's something different. And then a th dexterity, I'm not sure what that does. Do you know? I thought it was just accuracy. Was that accuracy? Okay. <laughs> So if you add those two together, no, that doesn't make sense because Lloyd was 85 plus 18, and he still was getting hit and stuff. So I don't think it was 100% evasion. I don't know if that's... Uh, they might have some shit with the formulas behind the scenes, but uh, if you go to page 18 of the manual in the game, it should tell you like a specific uh, like description of the stats, if you want. But the... Pretty sure, like it's impossible to get a hundred percent hit or a hundred percent dodge because, like, I had uh, some of my characters had like seventy-five fucking accuracy or whatever, and I'm still missing some things. And I'm like, right. okay, so there's definitely it's definitely not a hundred percent chance on anything. Yeah, in this game, uh, in later games, like I, like uh, in Cold Steel, I know for sure V has like really high speed, and her you can get uh, all her equipment and stuff, or at least her weapons. Uh, have a evasion and you can get her to above 100 evasion and she will never get hit by an attack she'll get hit by magic still but she'll never get hit by an attack and she has like these gun blades where she'll um she'll counter attack if they're close or far away which is really 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 nice so she's like 
OP on in that game, but <clears throat> uh, I think that's it for shops. So now we can go what's what's unique. Unless there's something else you guys want to add, Kyle, anything? No, no, you guys got the shops pretty well. Um, I do, I do want to say add this into it. like there's a they do have like a lot of help manuals or lists and stuff that like. You don't have to memorize or write all this stuff down if you look into like your detective notebook. So that does help a lot, especially with the quartz stuff. Um, let's see, I also forgot to say like in battle you can scan monsters. Uh, that's one of Tio's skills or there's like an item you can use that does it as well. And it tells you all their weaknesses and what they drop and that kind of stuff. And then there's a notebook, a combat notebook you can look into. It'll tell you, like, you know, what their stats are. Or when you, like, highlight them in battle, it'll tell you that, too. After you already know that kind of stuff. Or else, I think it takes, like, so many different battles to fight them before you'll learn, like, it'll be, like, recorded in your notebook. Um, so, for me, what I got is unique. Uh, one of the main things to me is the dialogue for NPCs change after events multiple times in the chapter. And I don't think... There's not many games that do that, if at all. Um, I know they do it like per, maybe per chapter, they'll change. But this is like every t like each day, and sometimes multiple times in a day. If they'll be in like night time, like a, a daytime and a nighttime part of the game. Anytime there's like a major event in the chapter, um, a lot of the NPCs dialogue will change. Also, um, if you don't talk to someone. Like sometimes there's like mini events, that, like that will happen, and if you do don't talk to them, it will change the dialogue later in the game. And Nick, you said you can attest to this because, like the second time you played through, you didn't talk to everyone, right? So there's some dialogue. Uh, yeah, there'd be like some random things I didn't do. Like you can get lemonade from that old lady at the beginning, but then if you don't do that. Uh, you go to the picnic area, they get like sodas or something out of the vending machines instead of being, oh man, I'm so glad we got this ice cold lemonade. <laughs> and yeah, it's a minor thing. I guess it's not that big of a deal to most people, but to me, that's really, really cool. So I appreciate the that kind of like attention to detail that they put into this, this game. Um, I like how they do the quest system, like for the main quest and the side quest, they're all kind of like grouped together. And you can choose not to do them, but it's not like it doesn't to me feel as tacked on as other games. It's not just filler. I mean, there are some like okay, you gotta kill this this monster type thing, but a lot of them are unique, different uh, events. Like the one that like sticks in my head is when uh, there's like the festival going on, and you gotta check all the cars, and you gotta kind of like cross reference like this book they give you about the what's allowed and what's not allowed and you can you know figure it out for yourself or not whatever you want to do but i think like that kind of stuff that unique those you little unique kind of events that happen are really really cool or, or like another one where um there's a stalker and you gotta like uh catch the stalker from uh breaking into the that uh that dancer's um apartment building like little like events like that like you don't have to do but are like really really add to the game um 
that's I feel like it's really really unique to this 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 series and what I love so much about it. Um, that's like the the main draw for me. I, I love the battle system too. Like the battle system is really in depth and it just gets better as the series goes on. I mean, if you played the first Sky game, it probably is kind of weak if you look at it like that. But like as you get to Cold Steel, like there's so much, so many different systems in place that make it uh, your own experience. Uh, Kyle, I know you had lots of different unique stuff on there, so if you want to go through those on yours. Yeah, so uh, some of the unique stuff for me, at least that I liked, um, I really liked that you did have random areas, random dungeons that would give you different abilities during combat just based on when you went. It was an extra level of strategy or tactics you'd have to think of along the way. Because if somebody, if one of the enemies is going to get a KO attack against you, no matter what, then clearly you got to do something about that. So that was a nice little wrinkle in the in the normal combat system to make you think a little deeper into it. Um, I really did enjoy the DP system as well for getting extra points and uh, rewards throughout. Personally, as a first-time player, I don't think you could play this game and get a full experience without following a guide. Um, if that's a plus or a negative to people out there looking to play the game, you know, decide on your own. But it's definitely something you would need a little bit more knowledge if you want to get everything right away. Um, I even followed a guide and I did all the quests, and I actually forgot to turn one in. So I didn't get the reward at the end, even though I got the achievement for finishing all, all the quests throughout. Um, one other thing that was really unique for me that I had never experienced, and it's probably in all the other games in, in this series, but after you open a chest, you can re-talk to it, and they'll have different dialogue along the way. Like, that was kind of surprising right away. So I actually went back and, and went to all the chests that I had opened beforehand just to see what they said. So, like, that was that was a pretty cool thing for me overall, um, playing through, and uh was rather unique i'd say i can't think of other games that really do that yeah so they stopped doing that after this series i think the next game i'll have it but cold steel doesn't fair which is which is really sad that they i don't know if they stopped doing it uh in japan or if they just stopped translate if they just didn't translate that for cold steel or not i can't i can't remember that part or not but like someone's looking that up right now. <laughs> yep. Um, do you have a favorite quote from a chest? Uh, so just so you know, uh, the it started the the chest messages started in Trails in the Sky the third. Okay. Um, and they called it Trails in the Chest, and there are thirty six empty chest messages, and it was added by Xseed. Uh, for the localization and then uh, i guess the geofront people were like okay that's a good idea and they kept it for the crossbell games but because it's not like an official falcom thing that's why it's not in any further games oh well good good job those are great so i really appreciate those um my favorite one is uh it's uh, you open the chest, and in the dialogue it says, an unassuming-looking middle-aged scholar who turns out to be evil in my Trails game? It's more likely than you think. <laughs> so, once you play the other ones, you'll you'll appreciate that one a little bit more. The other one I like, there's one where like the grass is clipping into the, the chest, and it was like, someone save me, the grass is clipping, or something like that. It was, it was pretty funny. Yeah, like, it hurts. 
Oh yeah, it hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, ones I had. Sorry, the ones the ones I had for for chess quotes. Um, they were just the ones that were kind of out of nowhere. Um, there's one right away. It just says, "I wish I were safe." Like I was not expecting that. That actually made me laugh out loud. Um, and then I guess just to draw back to my age, pretty much everyone's age, as we discussed on the Discord chat a couple of days ago. Um, one of them said, "Annie's not okay. She wants you to arrest the smooth criminal." So that was pretty smooth, honestly. Nice. Uh, for me, uh, the one, the only one that really got me, maybe just fucking double over, was uh, in the it's in this the new game plus dungeon. Um, so it's a, a chest you want to have gotten originally uh, for your first playthrough, which is a thing I guess we could talk about because there's like extra new game in the new game plus uh, section of the chat or whatever. But uh, when you open the, this chest and then read it, uh, talk to it again, it says, you've played this game twice and still don't understand that open means empty. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you motherfuckers. That's good, yeah. That's a good one. So that's, that, that was, uh, they did a really good job on that. <laughs> Nick, you got anything else for uniqueness? Uh, I don't think so. I think you guys pretty much covered everything. Uh... Yeah, if there's anything else that we think of later, we can kind of uh, come back to it. But uh want to give your you guys' uh, gameplay score, Nick? Starting with me, huh? Okay, uh, we'll do some pros and cons first. Okay. Uh, so for me, um, I would say pros are the battle system is... Like I feel like it uh, when you're in combat, it gives you like a good uh, view of like the overall field. I like how it feels like a, a meaningful like interaction in combat. Like it's a, like a good representation of how maybe combat would go in real life, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, where like there's ebbs and flows, things are moving back and forth. The depending on your positioning on the field, uh, your strategy is going to change and kind of how you react to things. Uh, so appreciate that a lot. Uh, it's definitely one of the more involved combat systems I've ever played with. I, in my personal opinion, it's better than Cold Steel um, because of the, I guess, the vantage point. In Cold Steel, every time it was a character's turn, I feel like the camera goes behind their back, and I can't really see exactly what's going on on the field. I, I, but if I remember, I guess you can change camera angles. I just maybe don't remember, remember to do that shit, but... Uh, I, I'm a fan of isometric viewpoints in the first place, so this works really well for me. Um, I do, however, wish that you had fast travel earlier. Yeah, because it's kind of a slog. I just like I understand why they did that because they want you to learn where to go in the town, like learn where everything's at. Uh, but second, third playthroughs, getting through that like that first two, the prologue in the first chapter. It's kind of a slog running everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and even with like turbo speed, which I guess we didn't talk about the, in this version, you have turbo speed as an optional thing uh, you can turn on. I think it just makes things go twice as fast. Uh, but there are some issues with that. Apparently, some people have glitched themselves in the places that you're not, you're not supposed to be by like running into fences and shit and going out of bounds and going to parts of the game that are not accessible in this game, but are accessible in Azure, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Um, but the double speed is still slower than fast travel. 
uh, even though like there's like a bit of load time, like even if you're on uh, uh, let's say East Street and you're trying to go to downtown, it's faster to just fast travel than it is to turn on double speed and, and run down there. Maybe by only a couple seconds, but to me that shit adds up. Yeah. Um, you gotta get a hundred hours anyways. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got it. I pretty much I set I let the game sit for eight hours about. Uh, and I tried to time it so that I got 100 hours as I beat the, the last boss the third time, so I got the trophy during the end credits. Nice. So, I was like, I ain't wasting as, I'm not wasting as much time as I can, kind of thing. Um, so, I think uh, one more thing that I could have been happier about was uh, having more access to the spells more easily like i don't like when the characters are restricted to like only being able to add a uh, sepith value or whatever on certain lines yeah because like some of the courts suck balls mm-hmm. and but they give a good amount of value and i'm like i really don't want to <laughs> use those courts because it doesn't do anything for me like i had the sepith main courts on a couple people uh, and it doesn't do anything besides give you like one or two more sepith yeah uh, but it gives you eight total values. It's spread out among f- the f- basic four elements. So I was like, this is pretty decent. It, it will allow me to have more support spells and whatever. I guess I'll equip it. But on my uh, third game play uh, playthrough, I had 9999 Sepeth across the board. So I didn't fucking need it. So it would have been nice to have been able to put anything else on. Uh, and like, have a spell that was usable, but also Quartz that was usable. But I guess that's part of the the rub well, where you can't have everything you want <laughs> well to be honest uh they do change that in cold steel where there is no lines anymore and the quartz will determine what the spells you get so like the quartz and whatever court master quartz yeah there's like i think the way the quartz work is that whatever you equip the court like whatever quartz you equip come with so many spells so you can like and then there's like some that's right and so there's like some courts that just have everything once you get towards the end game, so you don't have to really worry about trying to line them up or anything like that. But I think they try to th- to make it more of a you know challenge or kind of something uh, unique, and they pro- I think they're like, eh, this is more annoying than fun, so they scrapped it and just made it like so the lines don't mean anything anymore once you get to Cold Steel. I totally forgot about that, and that's great. I'm glad they changed it. <laughs> change, yeah. I guess. Uh, like I said, uh, the battle system gets better as you go along. I think, but. Um, I also will say for a plus, I like how each character has a, their own kind of attacking animation on the field. Uh, some are obviously inferior to others, and uh, but I, I didn't realize Tio's was so good until my second playthrough. So I pretty much just played with the first game as Lloyd as my main character on the field and doing his double like Tampa hit. But I learned the timing on that, so I was able to uh, make an enemy temporarily stunned and then run around behind him and hit him again to knock him out. Um, but I guess it would have been much easier as Tio because I guess her thing blasts for like 20 fucking feet ahead I and Ellie. does like 20 fucking hits. So learned my lesson. Yeah, I just use Ellie because she can shoot from so far away. But if, I don't know. I feel like there's like a a time like span, I guess, also where the enemy can't be hit again. 
I, I never used Elliot. I never used Randy on the field, so I didn't bother with that shit. I just used uh, Lloyd, and sometimes that was bullshit because like the I would hit the enemy on the first swing, but then the second one would miss somehow, and the enemy would just hit me. I'm like, fuck. Hmm. That's not what I wanted. God damn it. Yeah, he used uh, Lloyd the whole time too, and had the same problem. Yeah, he's Elliot because most of the time you go through the the field and they'll turn around, and then once I turn around, I can just snipe them, and then uh, it'd be an easy uh, battle. Alright, uh, maybe I'll try that in the next game. Oh, I'll also say a negative. Um, I never used the guest characters because my main characters already kitted out the way I wanted them to be because I used them all the fuck time. So, like, I, I guess I some people appreciate using guest characters. I fuck, I sure don't. Uh, and I don't like uh, in games with a large cast when you get new characters because I don't ever use them. Because <laughs> I've already been invested so much time in my uh, original characters yeah. that I like the only game I, I swap characters around really is like a Swigadin game because there's such a large cast right? and uh, part of the fun in that is finding out which characters aren't shit and which characters are shit and then even if you want like a little bit of the challenge like using really shit characters just for the hell of it because you can and uh, none of them really have a personality so it's not like I'm attached to any of them yeah uh so yeah, for me, like I liked, I wanted to use Wazi, and I wanted to use Dudley, and I wanted to use uh, spoilers Yin, uh, and I wanted to use Noel, but I was like, eh, I already have my strategy, <laughs> right? So fuck you guys. And sometimes, uh, the support ability was more valuable to me than the the even using them in battle, even though the support uh, the support ability only maybe popped up once. In a while, because the battle took a little bit longer than I was expecting it to, or something. Uh, which I guess I don't think we touched on in the gameplay section, but uh, you can get support character or guest characters, and they have a support ability. After like every so many turns of battle, they'll do a random thing for free. Uh, some of them are pretty good. Like uh, one character will restore thirty CP and give you guys a defense buff. One character will attack all the uh, all the enemies and like do an attack uh, a turn delay. Uh, one character will buff your speed and strength by 50%. Uh, one character will hit an enemy and like give them all slow and move down and stuff. So uh, pretty good for variety. Um, but you can't control it, and it's all random. Yeah. It's, you're subject to like the turn order, and if you see them coming, you can maybe strategize around that. But usually when that happened, if it was outside of a boss battle, the enemies were almost dead anyway. So I was like, okay, thanks. Yeah, the way they think uh, they they kind of uh, adapted the guest characters as later games. It's like you're you have a set amount of characters, like for, for like you have to take these characters with you, uh, or you're forced with this character, and so you kind of or like when you do have these guest characters, they're like a little bit more OP than the rest of your group, so it's worth using them. Like they're a higher level, like most of the time. Whereas this, when you get these characters, they're not much better than what you already have, so there's no point of changing, uh, changing them out. Whereas like in Cold Cold Steel, you get them in like five levels ahead of you, and they have like better courts than you, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna use this guy. So like I get, I gotta get no, like when you get Noel, the, Noel the first time, like her courts suck. Yeah. Like except for maybe one or two, I'm like, oh, that's a straight upgrade from what I, uh, what I have on somebody else. So I'm gonna rob you. Kid up my characters a little bit better. Yeah. 
And uh, I'm not going to give you anything. <laughs> I'm going to take your weapon too, bitch. Yep, I yeah, I, like I was like, "Holy crap! You can strip them bare." So uh, in later games, they like they lock it in where you can't strip, like take anything off of them. But yeah, this one I just stripped everyone off, so it was nice. Uh, yeah, but I guess I'm done. So I will say it's a four out of five for me for gameplay. All right, Kyle. Uh, yeah. So likes, dislikes. Uh, like the battle system overall, it was fun. Um. It was a little, like, it's definitely complex, don't get me wrong, but for 90% of the game, I could simply attack, use Holy Bullet with Ellie, and then cast something with Teo, and I didn't have a single issue. Um, getting to the end of the game, it was a little more difficult once everyone was resistant to damn near everything. Um, that was a nice change of pace, because the combat was just getting a little stale. Um, otherwise, really did like, um, boy, I guess... <laughs> hard to say just did really like a lot of stuff about the gameplay in the game it's it's really solid but i wouldn't say anything's over the top exciting or something you kind of haven't experienced before um so that's really kind of it for me it didn't do anything great but it didn't do a single thing less than average uh so overall i'm gonna give it a three out of five all right uh well for me i'm really biased i love this whole series so um, I don't have a lot of negatives, but um, like you said uh, earlier, Nick, the whole fast travel is kind of annoying, especially if they definitely expect you to play this more than once uh, with the New Game Plus dungeon and everything like that. Like For at least New Game, you should have been able to fast travel anywhere, and like I, I think they do let you do that in like, get later games, but I just can't remember that off the top of my head right now. Um well, I think for Cold Steel 1, like, you're stuck in the school all the time, so you don't really have anywhere to go. And then when you go on a mission, you're, like, actually exploring a new area. You don't have a reason to yeah. fast travel. And then, like, from what I played to Cold Steel 2, at least until up, like, around halfway point in the game where I stopped, you are literally going from one point to the next. So you're always moving forward, and you're never having to go. And you, you, fit, you can't go back, so you don't have to worry about going back. Well, yeah, in Cold Steel 2, the whole, like, half of the map opens up where... Yeah, you can go back to any town you've already been to after you get the airship. Well, yeah, so. which which is what I assumed. But like in this game, where the whole game takes place in literally like pretty much the same area the entire time, like you yeah. find as like at the I think by the end of chapter one or start of chapter two or something, you almost have access to everything in the game that for the rest of the game. Which so the, like aside from getting like a new dungeon every once in a while, it's like okay, I've already been here. I see why they put fast travel in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fast travel is kind of, uh, not, a not great. Um, the other only negative I would say is like, yeah, the battle system does drag on without high speed mode. Like if it's, if you just play regular, it's kind of slow. Um, whereas if you have high speed mode, you can kind of like, you know, bash your way through most of the, the early part of the game. Um, but I do love the battle system on the other, like where you, once you, establish your characters and know the direction you want to take them uh to me it's fun like i love s crafting with randy and you know having my whole strategy you know like i go into battle i know what i'm doing i know it works and i'm not like a lost you know like i know what i'm doing in battle and i like the confidence of like being able to do whatever you know i know what i want to do um 
so other than those two couple dislikes i loved everything i love the you know how the chapters are laid out and how the the missions are laid out and the interactions like with the i guess that's more story but interactions with all the npcs and um i just had a good time um so i'm gonna give it a four and a half out of five I mean, okay. This is like, what a device of spread. Like to me, like this is like my like perfect kind of uh, RPG where the the mix of battle and missions and story and all that kind of stuff are like the way I like it. That's more heavier on the story side, and there, I mean, the battles are there and they're unique and they're fun, but um, it's not more. It's not mostly battles, you know. It's like I feel like they they. Uh, space it out just enough or good enough where it's not like dragging on too long a lot of the dungeons aren't super long you know the last one is but like that's a kind of a trails kind of thing where the last dungeon always is super super long but other than that most of them are pretty breezy you know not overly complex yeah Well, I guess that wraps up the gameplay section then. Yeah. Uh, and we will move on to the first break. Uh, as has become tradition, this is Brent's pick, and it is the main theme of the game. I guess it's just titled Zero no Kiseki. <laughs> Time. 
Everybody's favorite. I wish people didn't shit on me for the, for it. Then I wouldn't be so uh, feel so like uh, shitty about having to do it all the time. Who shits on you for it? Is it <laughs> yeah. just... Uh, just like people are, like saying shit like they fell asleep listening to the story section or whatever. Oh really? Which is fine. Blaine, like, Blaine used to say he had to grab a fucking pillow when he would go to sleep and stuff, but I guess that's just Blaine. Blaine just trolls, that's okay. I know, I know, but, you know, it's like a, a crack that forms over time. Just mm. pick away at it. My self-confidence is in the toilet. Don't let him get to you, though. Like, your story parts are my, was my favorite part before, you know, when I listened to, so... Back in the day, before I... I got you, I got you. Well, I think your bullet spoke in my ass, but here we go. Uh, story time. <laughs> so, this is going to be a long one, because there's a lot to get into. Um, I know I'm very detail-oriented when I talk, but I will try to gloss over as much as possible so that we can get through this, because uh, otherwise we'll be here all night. So, there are six... I guess chapters, or seven actually, of this game. Uh, you have a prologue, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, an intermission, chapter four, and then the finale. Uh, each one of them gloss over a couple days span, usually, of a chunk of time of the SSS and how they are uh, going about their lives and the lives of everybody in the town. And I guess, I don't want to say across Crossbell, because you don't really go everywhere in Crossbell. I'm sure there's like villages and shit that we don't ever go to, but for pretty much what we see of Crossbell. Um, and as we mentioned before, uh, as the time goes on, as the game goes on and progresses, every individual NPC lives their life, and so every character that you talk to is doing a brand new day of their life, and they might even be uh, have having multiple interactions on the same day, depending on uh, when you talk to them after uh, main storyline events. Uh, so, like, for example, you could talk to somebody, and they could be like, uh, I'm going to go shopping, and then you go, like, do... You go get your next main mission, and then you go find them, and they're they're in another, the same NPCs in a different location, and they're, like, they've done something else with their time, and they'll say something else. And then you go do another part of the main story, and you come back, and they're in again... And, yeah, another place, and they have something else to say. Uh, people like Kevin love that shit. Uh, for me, it definitely drags ass after a certain amount of time. Like, I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, later chapters, I'm like, I really don't give a fuck about dumb fuck NBC and his fishing championship or whatever. Like, I'm done talking to you. So I'll hit up the main people uh, that are, like, I guess, quote-unquote, important. Yeah, but all all the piddly people I just don't go talk to anymore. Like the random child that's sitting in a bedroom at the bottom of the apartment complex. I really don't give a fuck about how your dad's left you alone all the time, and he's a like a orbital train repairman or whatever the fuck he does. He's obsessed with trains. Obviously, you've he... heard enough about it where you remember. <laughs> well, it's like it's like I've talked to that person enough that I understand her like little story and I'm like I don't fucking care anymore like I, I know where this is ending up your dad's not coming home sorry no uh, I, I'm done I'm the same I'm done talking to you yeah I'm the same way where I'll find like some that I do care about and I'll make sure I talk to them every every time like the uh the the old couple you meet on the train every time I would go talk to them every chapter just to see how they're doing because I cared about them um and, you know that he's head of the 
whatever business association business association and she gives you the lemonade and all that kind of stuff like that was kind of cool like yeah but there's gonna be some people like the guy that running around that's running around the street like i didn't talk to him every time because i f- didn't feel like trying to catch up with him either every time but um but yeah there's always gonna be someone that you like that you know for whatever reason you get attached to so for better or for worse there's lots of a wide cast of characters and you can talk to them all they all have their own story so that leads us into the main characters and their story as uh, Kevin so kindly mentioned earlier uh, the cast consists of Lloyd Bannings Randy Orlando Ellie McDonald something (laughs) does anybody care about Ellie (laughs) what the fuck's your last name McDowell McDowell uh shit and then uh teal plato yeah ellie's kind of the the most boring character for sure uh yeah well it's because she has no trauma compared compared to everybody else her trauma is it's like well important to her uh it's offset by her lavish lifestyle and uh perceived i guess uh halves over what everybody else has not right like uh so, at least for me, this is my perspective. Uh, Lloyd, so this is a big spoiler territory, everybody. If you do, if you gave a shit, just skip ahead like a fucking two hours or something. I don't know how long this is going to be. Uh, but, uh, so Lloyd uh, lost his parents. Brother was murdered. Uh, had to go deal with this all this shit where he was alone. Uh, even though he had uh, Cecile, and he didn't like realize it at the time, because technically, he I guess he felt like Cecile was not his to have a relationship with, even though he, she was like a sister figure, because she was the fiance to his brother who died. So he's like, that's not really for me to deal with. I'm going to go and do my own thing. So he kind of dealt with that shit by himself. Uh, Randy was like uh, a Jaeger who br- was brought up as a child to be a child soldier, and he killed mil- like hundreds of thousands of people or whatever the fuck. A lot of people. Uh, and has like lots of conflicted emotions and trauma about that. Tio was captured by a cult, tortured mercilessly and experimented on, uh, and came out physically better for it. Like, she has an enhanced sensory perception and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but mentally, still pretty fucked up. Uh, like, uh, like, denies her emotions and stuff like that. And then you have Ellie, whose parents got a divorce and left her with her rich grandpa. Who's the mayor? Yeah, who? And she can have she can have anything she wants. She traveled the country, traveled uh, to other states. They got world experiences. Like lived a pretty fulfilling life at, before she was even eighteen. Uh, like, but and she's still a little upset about her parents who are still alive. Right, that they weren't there to raise her. So I'm like I'm not saying like she doesn't have her own like reasons to be like sad or whatever. She's at least, uh, but she's but the scale the scale of trauma yeah. that she has is no. it pales in comparison to what the other characters went through. So they it's it is I would say nigh impossible for her to be a compelling character to anybody right. that plays this game because it's just nothing nothing happened to her compared to the other characters. Yep, which is. I don't know if you want to say that's shitty writing, but like it's also realistic. 
So, uh, like in a, in a particular group of people, one person had it way better than everybody else. Yeah. And I'm not trying to like downplay her experiences as a character that's made up character or whatever. Uh, like I'm sure what she went through was sad, but uh, like in the grand balance, she's way better off than everybody else, kind of thing. So people don't like that kind of character, at least I don't think. So that's why she's probably pretty low on the popularity stuff. Yeah. Whereas, reading like, I've... sorry. Oh, I was just reading through like some comments on Reddit, and most people do not like Ellie at all. Like after this game, like I was reading some stuff, and uh, I saw one comment like it said that nothing happens to Ellie after chapter two of zero. So I'm like, oh great, so nothing else happens in Azure either. But I guess we'll find because you get you get the other cast of characters that come in in Azure. Well, so. yeah, spoilers. Rixia comes becomes more of a uh, thing later. Well, you get uh, you get Wazi and you get Noel to join the SSS. So you have them. The the the, the uh, presumably the storyline is going to focus on them more and explore them as characters because we've quote unquote finished with the main cast of this game or whatever because their game's done. But like I, I haven't experienced any of that, so that's just a, a guess for me. Right. Um. Yeah. So for uh, the four ragtag group of people that get thrown together into this makeshift unit uh and their story that's the story of zero so uh prologue you start off as lord coming in on a train because you went to police academy which confused me because the train doesn't go to the police academy as far as i'm aware and yet he graduated from the police academy and passed his detective exam so i'm not sure if he like did all that and then went to go stay with his aunt and uncle or whoever yeah. the fuck he's staying with from my understanding is like he passed the police academy and then uh went back to live with his uncle and aunt and then took the detective exam while he was there or something and then now he's coming like once he passed it he uh is coming to crossbell to start his job that's what i i guess it did confuse me because like he would be he would always be talking about how he was at the academy and then he passed the detective exam and now he's coming back to Crossbell. But then, like, you find the police academy, and it's on the opposite side of Crossbell from where he was coming from on the train. Yeah. Or whatever. Because uh, I guess he lived in Calvard uh, with his aunt and uncle for three years. But then he also said he went to the police academy. But I'm like, so that means you were in Crossbell. So I was like, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> it's, like, it's largely irrelevant, but my brain was always just kind of stuck on, like, how does this work? If he said he hasn't been back to Crossbell... But he was literally like 30 minutes to walk away from the place the entire time. Anyway, Lloyd coming back to Crossbow for the first time in three years since his brother passed. Maybe uh, just the first time like to live here. Maybe that's what I meant. Maybe. I don't know. Because he grew up in this place. He used to live in an apartment he shared with uh, his brother Guy and the fiance Cecile. And they had a great life. But guy was a cop and was out doing a cop thing one day and got killed in the line of duty. So everybody was sad. So uh, he went somewhere else because I guess he couldn't live with the memories of his brother uh, being in Crossbell. And he's I guess, thinks he's made peace with that. So he's become a cop, just like his brother. He's coming to town. Well, I think he really to start... wants to solve his brother's murder is what it is. 
deep down, like they kind of gloss over it in the towards the end of the game, you know. But I think that's his real reason for coming back. He wants to figure it out. Well, I'm sure that's like his like motivation, but yeah. they paint it as he idolized his brother so much that he decided he wanted to be a cop just like him, even though he knew he's never going to be as good as his brother because he's got that inferiority complex. Right. Yep. So, uh, he got an offer to start at this new unit, uh, in the police department. So he went there to I guess start his first day. Uh, meet some people on the train. Uh, they become the relatively minor important NPCs later that Kevin was talking about. Uh, so you go to the police, uh, police station. You meet up with... Uh, well, he doesn't know he's going to be in the SSS. He just knows he's got accepted. He doesn't, he doesn't know. Yeah, he got assigned somewhere. Yeah, he doesn't know where he's assigned yet. And then when he goes to like check in, they don't know who he is. Which is Yeah, weird. and then the leader of the SSS comes up. Uh, I think his name is Sergey. Sergey? Yeah, Sergey. Yep. Uh, and he's like, hey, yeah, <clears throat> I know this guy. He's in my department, so come with me. And as he was pat as Lord was passing through town earlier, he checked out the old uh, Crossbell News Station, which is uh, like an abandoned building, or so he thinks now. It's like in the middle of all the brand new upscale buildings, and he's wondering why such an old building's still here. Well, it turns out it's the SSS headquarters. So he gets brought there to meet up with... Actually, no, you go into the meeting room first of the police station mm-hmm. where Ellie, uh, Lloyd, or Ellie, Randy, and T.O.R. are already there. And you have to... He, Lloyd introduces himself and uh, then they immediately get their first assignment uh, to go eliminate some monsters in the geofront, which is like pretty much the sewage system of the crossbell. Uh, so they go there and they kind of do a brief introduction with each other and they describe their combat styles and uh, describe the ornament thing that they all get and how to use quartz in it and all that. Uh, then they go inside and you can optionally, I don't, I've never not done it, so I don't know like how the story plays out, but you can find a kid in the vent and you can save him. And then uh, choose to also save the other child that uh, came into the underground with him. And if you do so, you fight a boss monster, you kill it. Well, I guess it's technically like four or five monsters. You kill them. Uh, Then another bigger monster shows up, and you get saved by the greatest bracer to ever live, according to everybody in Crossbell, uh, Arios. And I can't remember what the fuck his last name is. Uh, but he's like, a, which you don't know yet, but he's a student of like the Leaf School, I believe. Yeah. Um, and he is... Same thing as uh, Cassius and uh, Estelle's dad. They're all in the four leaf, or three leaf, four leaf school, or whatever it's called. I don't even know all that. Huh? The other people I knew were fucking uh, Arios and Marine. I didn't know Cassius was. Yeah, Cassius is. Before, well, uh, he gave up the way of the sword and he gets a staff, and that's how he teaches Estelle the staff. I mean, it's. I, I guess I'm ruining some stuff for you, but yeah. He stopped yeah. using a sword. <laughs> uh, You're like, oh, hold on. Let me ruin uh, Sky for you real quick. While we're talking about uh, Zero. 
Um, but yeah, there's another. Uh, so the grandmaster that teaches Reen, his granddaughter is a bracer, uh, from and she's in the first sky or the first three skies as well, and you get to use her in the third sky. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So. Uh, yep. So the party gets saved by Arios, and then they get scolded for not uh, like following through with the mission or whatever. And uh, Lloyd, in particular, gets uh, reprimanded for trying to sacrifice himself so that everybody else can get away. And uh, they all kind of take this as like a, a teachable moment to like reflect on themselves or whatever. And but they also like have to understand that they literally just met each other like two hours ago or whatever. Yeah. So it's not like they're going to be fighting as like a, a fit fighting force with perfect moves and shit immediately. But uh, they all kind of take this time, uh, like this event, to be like, all right, well, this is our first day. This is kind of what it's going to be like. It'll only get better from here. I can't remember if they talk about barriers yet, but that definitely comes up a lot later. And uh, they leave the geofront, and this reporter comes out and starts taking everybody's picture. Uh, well, I guess Arios first, and she congratulates him on another successful job. And he's like, well, I kind of just cleaned up the mess that they made. And so your squad gets their picture taken, and they get a newspaper article written about them, how about how they tried but failed to save some kids and had to be saved by the Bracer Guild again. Because in Crossbell, everybody hates the cops. Uh, and the Bracer Guild is where it's at because they don't fuck around. Oh, yeah. The... And all the cops are corrupted. Yeah, basically. And then... so... The main thing, uh, the difference, I guess, that SSS has over Bracer is that um, any the Bracers can't get involved in anything with politics unless it's affecting people, like a citizen. Like, they have to save someone, you know? So, whereas, like, the SSS can, you know, investigate anything to do with, like, politics and police work and all that kind of stuff. So that was, like... To an extent. Yeah, that was a twist. Well, yeah, they have, like jurisdictions and stuff like that but at least if there's something um, political they can look into it whereas the bracers are like well it's not really hurting anybody right now so I can't I don't have the uh, you know jurisdiction I guess to look into anything yeah which is the main theme of the the game here that there's corruption in Crossbell and it, the SSS was formed as a kind of a countermeasure yeah. Uh, to hopefully fight that, but also accrue good uh, like relations with the locals, because right now everybody loves the bracers and they hate the cops. So the the presented concept is make a unit that does bracer shit, so that we can get goodwill, uh, just like the bracers, and improve the image of the police overall. But what I guess uh, they didn't factor in was that it would only improve the image of the SSS and not the cops as a whole. So the SSS starts getting popular, but people still hate the cops right. in general. Yeah, they don't associate um, them with the cops because they don't even have a uniform they wear. Yeah. Like, every time you go see somebody new, they're like, who the fuck are you guys? Are you guys bracers? <laughs> like, no, we're the, <laughs> we're the SSS. We're police. And every, every time they're like, oh, you don't look like the police. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, it's definitely a, they're definitely a unique position, and they 
do end up taking advantage of that by the end of the game. Multiple times over. Uh, yep, so they have their first day, and they all go to the uh, SSS headquarters, and I believe they're told by Sergey something about uh, they don't have to accept the position if they don't want to, because Lloyd, I guess everybody's feeling down about how they failed, technically, the mission. And I can't remember exactly what somebody says to Lloyd, but Lloyd's like, oh, I think it's Sergey being like, yeah, you're not going to really have any prestige here. This is like a, a testing unit. Uh, you're the only real cop. Because you're the only one that really went to police academy. Because while Ellie passed the exams, she never went to the academy. Right. Which is, I think, what I was getting at, at before. That the only person with police training is Lloyd. Yeah. Um, and he's the only one that is, even has a detective license. Because T.O. is on loan from um, the Epstein Academy. Or Epstein Laboratory. Wherever, the, wherever it's called. Because uh, she, she's only doing research. Combat research on the Orville staff. Randy is a reject uh, quote-unquote from the Guardian Force and who's really good at combat, so he's in this unit because they need somebody who's good at fighting. Ellie is there because she gets she got, uh, perfect scores on the exam and the marksman uh, I guess test so she can hold her own in combat and her I guess political experience would be useful for navigating certain different avenues or whatever i guess is the idea behind that yeah and then uh so that leaves lloyd as like the only actual cop uh, and, and sergey is like you could do well in any department you go to you can go to first division you can go to second division you wherever the fuck you want you do well anywhere uh but this you might not do that great here because it's a such like a weird thing it's not what you're expecting to be as a cop so you're free to make a decision yeah, and no one knows and, what's gonna happen because it's like brand new. So it's like, you know, you're gonna be doing some shit jobs. Basically, what he's telling them, like you're gonna do some stuff that's kind of like beneath you. So, yeah, he's like, it's not gonna be what you expected at all. If and he's saying this knowing that he made the fucking division because of his brother, which we'll get to a little bit later. Uh. So like a second playthrough, you're like, this dude's like lying to this guy's face about why he made this unit, knowing full well that he adores his brother. All he had to do was be like, yeah, this was a guy's dream. Uh, but guy's dead. <laughs> so uh, we can't replace Guy, so we're getting a group together that might be able to do stuff that he could by himself. Kind of thing. Uh, so everybody kind of separates. Uh, they all have their own rooms in this new like apartment complex that's half apartment complex, half uh, SSS headquarters. And Lloyd's feeling down in the dumps, and he's like, well, I'm going to go talk to everybody else and see how they're feeling about this. And he does, and everybody else is like gung-ho about it because they have nothing else to do. Uh, like Ellie's like, well, this is what I signed up for. I wanted to get some real-world experience, and this is a great place to do it. Randy's like, I got kicked out of the gardening forest for being a fucking perv, so I can't really go anywhere else. Uh, Tio's like, I'm here on assignment from where I came, uh, I came from at the Epstein place, so I, don't, I have no choice but to stay here. And uh, Lloyd's still not convinced, and he goes out the front door, and the two kids he saved come up to him, and they're like, hey man, thanks for saving us, even though we were kind of rude earlier. 
uh, we know you tried your best and we appreciate it. And they leave and he's like, thanks a lot. And then he talks to himself and he's like, it's funny. That's how it's all I needed was some recognition for my work or whatever. Uh, I guess I'll stay here and, and see what I can do after all. So everybody wakes up in the morning and they all decide to stay on and they get their official assignment. I think Sergey's like, uh, all right, nine in the morning, officially you're all part of the SSS or whatever. And it's like, yay. All right, next job. Uh, and so the main next, I think the main, next main mission is to quell the gang dispute that's going on. And you get some side quests if you want to do them. But the characters all go to the downtown district where there are two gangs having a dispute, the uh, Testaments and the Saber Fangs, or Saber Vipers, something? I think it's Saber Vipers. Yeah, I think it's Saber Vipers. And uh, I think you interrupt a fight first uh, that's going on between some of the mooks of the gang, the two gangs. And then uh, the two leaders come out uh, and admonish their uh, members for fighting in public without the leaders around, and without their permission. Uh, then you go and interview uh, both sides. The testaments are led by Wazi, and he, uh, are, they have like a cult religious style get up for some fucking reason. I'm sure that'll be explained in the next game. Oh, yeah. But uh, he is like a young ish martial artist guy uh, who's also like sexy and suave, but also maybe bisexual. Um,. No, that, not that any of that is really relevant, but that's part of his character, and it involves some quests later on, and he flirts with, like, Lloyd and shit. Uh, but you find out that they think that one of their members was ambushed in the middle of the night by uh, the Saber Vipers, and they got sent to the hospital. So you go and talk to the Saber Vipers and ask why the fuck they beat up uh, one of the Testaments in the middle of the night, and you find out that... Uh, one of their members was beat up in the middle of the night by a testament. And uh, the leader, Wald, is a gung-ho, super-aggressive, balls-to-the-wall, violent thug, I guess, with a heart of gold, sort of. Mm. Because he cares about his, uh, his, his territory, and he cares about the people that are in it, uh, enough that in a later quest, he, of his own volition, goes in and starts clearing out monsters out of this abandoned apartment complex. Um, and you help save him from that. Uh, but that's a side quest you can do. It's not really relevant to the story. It just goes a little bit more into his personality. But anyway, so you find out that both sides think the same thing happened to them. Uh, and you meet up with the uh, journalist, Grace, who says she has some uh, juicy info for you if you want to meet her at this Chinese restaurant, pretty much. It's not a Chinese restaurant, but it's pretty much a Chinese restaurant. Uh, so Lloyd's like, nah, we can't do that. That'll be a bribe for the police. But everybody else is like, yeah, I'm fucking hungry. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so you go there. Yeah, eat the food. You have a conversation. And she lets slip that there was like an ambulance in the middle of the night. Uh, that took him took me both members away or whatever so you you go talk to uh you can obviously go talk to a couple of the members of each of the gang and they'll say that the uh 
whoever got hurt got hurt, but they had to wait for the ambulance to come, and then that both uh, members of the gangs got loaded into the ambulance at the same time and then taken to the hospital. Yeah. Yep. To Sergey, uh, and uh, Lloyd comes up with a plan uh, that involves Bozzy and Wald because uh, he just he deduces that it couldn't possibly be either one of the uh, gang members assaulting the other gang member because of the pattern of attacks well, and the fact the that time. yeah they happen at the same time uh, so he's th he thinks there's a third party um, and when he brings this uh, query up to the two gang leaders uh, and I think Grace mentioned something about the Mafia too, but they both uh, say that they were approached by the Mafia like a couple weeks ago about joining and letting them take over their territory or whatever, and they both refused. So Lloyd thinks it's a, maybe a Mafia retaliation. So they set up a plan to catch uh, the Mafia in the act, where Lloyd acts as uh, bait, as a, and dressed up as a gang member, and waits to be assaulted in the middle of the night. Uh, this actually happens, and this initiates a chase where they chase down the Mafia members, and uh, you can't arrest them, though, because you find out that members of the Diet, which I guess is like a parliament or something, whatever, I'm not really sure how Japanese politics go, but I'm, I'm assuming like the closest thing would be like a par parliament or a senate or something like that, or a house of representatives, something. Yeah. Uh, where there's like a speaker of the house is like the chairman, and uh, a lot of them have ties with uh, the mafia, so the mafia pretty much has them in their pocket, and they can get away with whatever they want. Yeah, basically, if you and... can arrest them, they just be on the street like a day later. So it's not any, it's not. There's no point to do it. Basically, what happens? Yeah, all that would happen is they'd get a target on their back for doing that yeah uh, especially as like a brand new division in the police force so uh, they let him go but they're like you start trouble here again we'll beat your ass or whatever and the mafia just kind of runs off with the tail between your legs and you go report this to Sergey and he's like well you did the best you could job well done and uh, pretty sure that's the end of the prologue yep uh, so chapter one has you, uh, first off exploring a attack on, yeah, you have, uh, you have to go meet the shitty ass, uh, like vice leader of the police or whatever the fuck he is. Oh yeah. And, uh, he is talking shit about you the entire time, but then, uh, the guardian force, Tangram, Tangam Gate, I think it's Tangram Gate, uh, like sub leader, vice leader, whatever, uh, shows up because she has a mission for your uh, squad, your SSS division. And the Guardian Force has already investigated these monster attacks, but they didn't get anywhere. And the commander of the uh, Guardian Force has told them to stop investigating. So they're handing off, they want to hand off their uh, work off to another group of the police department, and they figured that SSS wasn't doing anything better, so they give it to them. Basically, it's like a, it's a BS, like, no one cares what, it's like, 
they think it's some random monster attack, so they don't really want to put too much time and effort into it. So they gave it to the the lowest rung on the on the totem pole, which is SSS, to look into it. So correct. And there's like so, there's like three or four incidents of monster attacks, right? And so you have, yeah, there's three. Yeah, they have yeah. to they have to investigate. Like one happened two weeks ago, one happened like a week ago, and the last one happened like the day before. But then the commander of the Guardian Force told them to stop fucking investigating because it's a waste of time. And you find out later the reason why, uh, and it's because he's in the the mafia has him in their pockets, and the other ones behind the monster attacks, and they don't want anybody investigating so they can keep doing their shit. Because they're currently at war with another gang, uh, or another mafia, the High Highway, High Hayway, Hayu, however you say it. Yeah, the other one. Um, it's the Triad. I'm just gonna call them the Triad so I don't fuck that up. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So your squad's like, all right. Well, let's start with the oldest place that was attacked first. Uh, it's Armorica Village. And you attempt to take a bus, but you sit there for an hour, uh, like 30 minutes or something. Or no, you decide that the bus just left because you just missed it. It would be faster to walk there than it would be to wait for the bus because the bus won't be back for like two hours or something. And you want to try to hit every uh, location uh, that was attacked in one day for some reason. I guess because you want the investigation to be done with. So you walk your way to America Village. You have some cutscenes or... The girls complain about walking, even though they said they were, they were cool with it. And you get to the village, and you do some investigative work, and you learn that uh, nobody was really hurt. Just a bunch of shit was destroyed, and they lost some inventory, but not that much inventory. Um, so all the characters are kind of like, well, this doesn't really make sense. If it was a monster attack, wouldn't a monster have like hurt some people? Uh so you take the clues from there, and you decide to move on to the next location that was attacked, which is uh, the medical college, uh, St. Ursula Medical College. And you try to take the bus there, but it doesn't show up for 30 minutes. So you walk down the path. And I think actually you get told by one of the people that run, like an employee for the bus line, that the bus is late and they haven't heard anything from them or whatever. And so you make your way down. Uh, and halfway between Crossbell and St. Ursula's, like you find the bus under attack by these giant monkey creature things. I guess more like gorillas. Which I noticed, are, I think, are, are also in Cold Steel, which is interesting that they. Like, I know that's the same, like, similar geographical area. So I thought it's interesting that they share, like, the same uh, fauna and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a lot of the same monsters in this game as in Cold Steel. Um, yep, so you beat up two of these gorilla monsters, but then like three more show up, and your party's like, oh shit, we're wiped. Uh, I don't think we're gonna be able to beat these guys. But they're saved by Estelle and Joshua, who are the protagonists of the Trails in the Sky series. First two games. And, well, the first two games. And, uh, I mean, I'd still call them protagonists of the whole series, because it's like, to me, it's their series, but you know more than me, so... Well, the uh, name is Kevin is the protag. It's a, they're in it, but uh, at that point, it's like a their story is like the whole Ren story that you. Okay. So, yeah, like the Kevin part is the main story of three. So. Got it. Got it. All right. I will 
be more careful with my words. <laughs> it's fine. I just want to clarify. <laughs> uh, so they show up and they save the day and uh, they help the bus driver fix the bus while you guys keep moving on to the medical college. And uh, you guys are like, wow, they're really strong. We really have to do a lot better to be uh, as strong as all the bracers around here. So that's another thing they have to work on or whatever. But you get to the uh, medical college, you meet up with Cecile, who uh, Lloyd has been, I guess, ignoring for the past couple of days. He's been in town, even though uh, they were like family at one point. So uh, Cecile kind of gives them a tour of the, the hospital, and you meet up with the one uh, staff member who was attacked by the monsters and get his... Uh, the information out of him about what happened and he says that he was attacked on the roof so you go up to the roof and you do some exploration there and uh there's another thing that i never did, did not do because you get detective points for it uh but if you go and talk to a certain npc he mentions uh some bo like some boxes or whatever on uh the west side of the college and you go look at it, and you find that that's where the uh, monsters came up from. But they can also check like the railings there, and you can confirm that they somehow got over these railings on top of the boxes and onto the roof. Uh, but this is optional; you don't have to look at that. And if you do, the uh, the staff puts up a like a set of metal bars on the railing. So I don't know if you if if that happens if you don't talk to or uh, don't investigate the bars. Uh, but that's like a thing that might change. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, don't uh, I, never did, I did, always did it the, the same way as well. I feel like everybody who's read the walkthrough will. Because <laughs> right. it's like, oh, points, I need these. Right. Um, so, yep, you you get that sorted. You're like, all right, this is how the monsters attacked. And you let everybody know. And you tell Cecile goodbye. And you go to the last stop, which is the main mining town. And uh, as you get there, uh, the mayor is already in a meeting with some people. So you have to do one of those bullshit talk to everybody, every NPC in the town kind of things. Oh, yeah. Uh, that one sucks. Yeah. I hate that one. Because there's like that one yeah. guy in bed. I didn't like notice he was in bed. And I like ran around for like five minutes like, where is this last guy? And it was like that dude in the bed. Yeah, it's just aggravating. Uh, my third playthrough, I missed somebody, and I didn't know—I had no idea who I missed because I was going through it so fast, and I wasn't really paying attention. So I spent an extra five minutes retalking to everybody, so <laughs> I found the right person. And that shit's not fun. Yeah. Stop putting that shit in games. But anyway, uh, once you talk to everybody, um, you go back to the mayor's house, but the door opens, and you see mafia members come out. So your team hides in the inn. And watches them go by, and then uh, talks to the mayor, and you essentially volunteer to watch the town that night and see if anything's going to happen. And uh, so, like, midnight comes around, and you go out into the town, and these two miners coming out from the bar uh, get attacked by monsters, and you save them. And uh, you don't kill the monsters, but uh, you do chase them out of town and before this all happens uh on the way into mains uh you meet a white wolf 
who talks to you a little bit. Like, he howls at you, and to you, like, translates somehow. Um, and each time you've left one of the previous attack sites, this wolf has also been in the background, like, watching. And the wolf tells you that he's not his him and his pack aren't responsible for what's going on. It's some other wolf-like creatures because some of the clues you found indicated like it was some kind of canine. Uh, so you end up fighting uh, and chasing off these like Doberman-looking dogs that have like cybernetic enhancements on them and shit. And you chase them out of town. And you chase them to this van where the uh, mafia members are, and you beat them up. But then after you beat them up. Uh, they open the back door of the van and like 20 fucking Doberman dog things come out. And they get healed. The ones that were hurt before get healed by the Mafia members. And then you're saved by uh, the White Wolf and his pack. They come in and they howl and it cows the attack dogs for some reason. And you're able to arrest the Mafia members. And in the background you see uh ren who you may have met earlier i think she's an optional meeting at the doll manufacturing factory mansion yeah and uh arios is also with her like on this cliffside overlooking the combat area where you guys just fought and they have a little conversation pretty much to say that uh ren was looking forward to them being eaten alive but Arios would have probably saved them before that happened. And he's glad he didn't have to because it means you're getting a little stronger. But they got lucky the White Wolf showed up to save them. Yeah. Uh, so you move on to the next chapter. And uh, it's either at the very end of the chapter or the start of uh, the very end of chapter one or the start of chapter two. Uh, but the White Wolf comes and joins the SSS as a police dog. And uh, he gets like a collar and all this shit to become an official member of the SSS. You don't get to use him in battle uh, as like an actual member of the party, but Tio gets a crap that she can summon him. And as far as I'm aware, he doesn't do anything. Uh, he... I, think I used it once and he gave my party like defense up, and I was like, this is a waste of fucking uh, craft points. Yeah, he does. All right. it's... Uh, I think there's a couple different things he can do because sometimes he will attack the the monsters and sometimes he'll buff you or debuff them. Oh, okay. So I guess I don't know if there's a way to tell what he's gonna do or what, but I think it might be random. Yeah, I'm not really a fan of that kind of stuff, so I never used it. Uh, yeah, I, I never did either. I only use it like a few times. Uh, let's see. So chapter two is the chapter with the. Uh, arc on sale thing, right? Okay. Uh, this one's a little bit, bit more fuzzy to me, so I'm gonna have to look this up. But essentially, uh, you get hired uh by that, the that... uh performers of this play, or I guess musical. I don't know what you would call it. It's like a dancing. Maybe it's a ballet thing. It's an entertainment thing. There's a lot of stuff going on. I would say it's a ballet. People... It's people doing very unrealistic, uh, superhuman feats of agility that uh, <laughs> I don't know how they float in the air and spin around without strings on them or whatever, but uh, they do all kinds of fancy shit, and it's a cool little show to watch. Um, but 
your team gets hired by uh, this new member of this ensemble group uh, called, her name is Rick, R- Rishia? Rixia? Is it a hard X? Sure. Okay, yeah. Rixia. Um, and she's the newest member of Archon CL, which I thought was funny because I think that's like a Japanese band too. Uh, so I was was thinking about the band first when I when I thought the name. Uh, but uh, the main cast member of Archon CL is Ilya, and she's been like the most famous dancer that Crossbells had for years. And uh, she saw Rixia, I guess, in a crowd once and knew that she had talent somehow and recruited her into the uh, group. And I guess trained her to be the second, like, not the main star, but the supporting star, whatever the hell that's called. This is like uh, her first big show. Uh, yeah, but like, I guess normally Ilya is the one that's like the headliner and yeah. she's sharing the spotlight with Rixia now. Well, so like her understudy or whatever, and then yeah, understudy. There you go. Um, uh, she's really good friends of Cecile. Like they like grew up together. Yeah, Ilya is. They went to Sunday school together yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, but Rix is new. She's from Calvert, I think. Yes. Uh, she mentions or something. She's. But, uh... No, I got. Never what... mind. Keep... What's that? I was gonna say she's trying to hire them, but that's that's someone else. So never mind. That's Kilika. Is that some different spoiler shit? <laughs> no, that's Kilika. She's the one that like uh, comes on the bus or whatever. Oh, that's later. Well, that's chapter three or four yeah, or yeah. something. I was, I was confusing that, but Kilika's actually in Sky as well. So we'll we'll talk about that. Later. Yeah, I caught that because there's another. There's like a bracer too. She talks to and she mentions like this is later on. Like they're in the Chinese restaurant. Well, Jeff, they're having say something. I think about her. What's that? I think Josh and Estelle say something about to her, like, "All right." Well, they don't see her, as far as I'm aware. Uh, but but uh, Kilika acknowledges that she knows them yeah. because the other bracer is like, "You're here in town, and you're not going to talk to them." It's been a while, or whatever. And she's like, "Well, I don't want to bother them, and they're doing their own thing, and whatever." But she doesn't mention Estelle and Joshua by name. But you kind of know at that point that's who they're talking about. Yeah, she was like um, in one of the. Bracer Guild, she was like the person at the desk in Sky. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Uh, looking forward to see how she became like a fucking uh, entertainment head poncho person. Or unless that was a cover, I guess. Maybe it was a cover. I but, won't, uh, won't spoil it for you. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so uh, SSS gets a request to investigate this um, letter they got uh, that the Arkansas people got in the mail. That's a war- like a threat, a threat letter that they're gonna kill Ilya if they kept doing the show or something. Yeah, and it was signed again. And uh, some previous cutscenes with the mafia, the Ravash mafia, showed that they knew that there's an assassin called Yin that was working with uh, the Triad. I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> And uh, so you're, already, you're kind of familiar with the name as a player, but the cast isn't. Uh, so you go to Arkansas to ask, some, like, do some interviews and figure out what's going on and get the whole story. And you accept the mission to find uh, who sent the, the threatening letter because it seems like it might actually be like a real legitimate threat. 
because normally they get a bunch of threatening letters, but none of them uh, seem to be this like legitimate, I guess. Yeah, and the background to this is that it's signed Rin, right? Or Yin. Yin. It's signed Yin, and Rixia knows it's not Yin because she's Yin. <laughs> yeah, so that's why she hires SSS because she's like, I need to fin- I need. Like ultimately, the main goal is for Rishia to, to flesh out whoever's in trying to impersonate her. Right. But she's not really worried about Ilya being assassinated. Her main worry is somebody's trying to steal her name and fame, and she's not having that shit. Yeah, she's uh, someone's fucking with my shit, and I don't, I don't want, I don't want them. To, uh... She's really just trying to figure out. She probably knows who it is. She just wants to confirm it's the mafia. So I think that's why she hires you to like suss them out and then that way you know as well about the mafia so she's trying to like bring other people in on this basically well but it's not the mafia that wrote the letter or maybe she thinks it's the mafia and she's trying to figure yeah that, that's probably what it is probably because because they're in conflict or whatever but uh, uh so your party goes around like does interviews with people you talk to people at Ravesh. Uh, you talk to the head honchos, like second in command. His name is Garcia. He used to be a, a Jaeger, and he's a big, like gorilla-looking motherfucker. And uh, he, he lets you in to talk because I guess he just figures you guys aren't anything to worry about. But you hand him the letter, and as he's reading it, he notices the name uh, at the bottom of the letter, and he's like, "Oh shit! Uh, y'all need to get the fuck out." And uh, you guys, you know, your party finds that suspicious. So you decide to go talk to uh, the triad because you know that uh, they might be affiliated with Yin. Yeah. And so you go up there, you interview the leader of the branch here, and Lloyd just doesn't take no shit. He just like asks the dude like flat out stuff, and the party's like, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> but the, the leader guy respects his Ford, I guess, uh thing because i think actually also you as you're getting up there dudley and his his partner emma are there interviewing the guy and he's not giving him any answers yeah he doesn't trust and him. well i think like they don't trust him because you know they know that mafia has like their ties into the police so he they're not talking to them but like sss it's like not you know they're they're not affiliated with anybody right now they're kind of they're they're actually the cops really so he's more willing to talk to you yeah and you're brand new yeah so like, like you said not like held down by anybody yeah he's like testing you to see your like how well you can do basically he might even be trying to see if he can get on your good uh on lloyd's good side and like have him on his side later on right yeah 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 um so yeah you find out that uh he does he is hiring in for assassins assassinations pretty much like he doesn't come out and say it he doesn't come out and say anything uh but he does like either hint at stuff like right. oh yeah it's like those hyper, like when those things like you're watching a cop show and like you know the bad guy's in there and he's a bad guy but he's like hypothetically if i were to kill twenty thousand people uh <laughs> this is how i do it kind of thing uh and that kind of gives the party some confirmation about what's going on uh but you still don't really have any solid leads and i think uh you go and rest uh, for the day at the eh, uh, at the headquarters or whatever. Well, basically, you know, Dud- like you go in there and you talk to him, and then uh, as you come out, Dudley's like, "Hey, this is my case now. Uh, it's it's getting like at first we thought it was just like that's right. There was like nothing to worry about, but now it's like, hey, the Arctic cells that like threatened, so now we really can't um, 
we have to take it seriously because we can't have anything happen to like our most famous, you know, tourist, uh, you know, touristy thing. Well, well, the first division didn't even know about it until you mentioned that there was a, a threat letter and it says Yen on it, and he's like, "Oh, well, we're investigating Yen, so this is now a legitimate, credible there, threat." Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So and so uh, you guys suck. So we're taking this review. Basically, it's <laughs> first like, division oh, like this now. Like, he's like, "Good job, you found the connection. Now it's mine. Thank you." And go, go. We're gonna go get ahead. all the acclaim. You can go ahead and tell them that we're taking over uh, for us. Right. So you go back to Arkansas and you tell everybody that you got the case got stolen from you, and the uh, Rishi is like, "Oh fuck no!" So she sets something up in the background where she finds this hacker kid named Jonah. And uh, tells him to send a message to the, like a, a help press message, I think, to the SSS terminal. Basically, it's like an and... email. What's that? They, they've, they've made the internet, basically, and so they're sending you an email. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. So you get an email, and it's like, hey, uh, this is Yin. Uh, pass this test, and I'll give you some information or something. And the the writing, like the way the the letters worded, is different from the threat letter, and it's not signed. I don't think by in because she mentions her name in it or whatever. Yeah. Like, so there's no reason to sign it. So they're like, oh, this is from a different person. Uh, we should follow this lead. So they go to the IBC and they track down where the letter came from, uh, like through Tio's hacking abilities. She backtraces the fucking source of the email or whatever. And they find it's in Geofront B. So you go through that little dungeon and you find this kid named Jonah who's from the Epstein Academy or research facility, whatever, just like Tio, but he ran away because I guess he thought it was boring or something. And so he set himself up here and he's been acting as like an information monger, broker. trader, broker. There you go. Uh, and selling a bunch of shit to everybody. Uh, and getting lots of money for it, but all he eats is cheese pizza <laughs> for whatever fucking reason. And they like, they're like, you need to eat something besides pizza, dude. And he's like, nah, pizza's good because he's like, fucking what, 12 years old or something, 14. I think he's 14, like him. Uh, mm -hmm. But like, so, I, I, like uh, uh, I know it's a game or whatever, but it's like, you're a police officer and you just let this 14 year old kid live in the sewers. Like, and you know he's he's blatantly breaking the law by hacking that well I guess it's not illegal yet it's like yeah they haven't made a law about hacking because it's just a brand new technology so there's no law against it yet so yeah technically he's not doing anything illegal but he will be eventually yeah uh, but I and then but you guys decide to have him it's better to have him on your side than not or whatever yeah. and he can't he's like uh, surprised that Tio was able to backtrace him until he finds out that it was Tio. Then he's like, "Well, that explains that." Right. Because he thought he's he's got one of those egos where he thinks he's the best, but he's not. He's like, so, he's really good, but you know, he's not the best. Yeah. Um. So you find out from him that uh, if you made it this far, Yin wants you to meet at Stargazer Tower. So you have to trek out there, and uh, on the way in, normally it's blocked off for these uh, like police barricades, uh, but they're uh, missing. And as you get further up to the tower, you see a uh, pretty much an APC with Noel Seeker in it, or outside of it, looking at the um, the tower. 
And uh, so she was sent out there on a mission to investigate the area because uh, it was uh, like there was a barricade and somebody destroyed the barricade and she has to make sure that the place is still secure or whatever. So she joins your party as you ascend the tower and you get to the top. Uh, also, this is the first place in the game where the elements are out of whack. So normally you only have the four primary elements, the fire, water, earth, and wind that are kind of everywhere. But in certain areas that are affiliated with the uh, like the Dark Ages, uh, there's also the time, space, and mirage elements. And that's also where you get the weird um, like instant kill, the vanish, the uh, whatever other like uh, in-battle uh, special effects you can get. Uh, that's the only place you can get these ones. They call them the higher elements, and every time there's like something they do that's like extra, you know, worldly or whatever, that's when those elements, like anything from like hell or whatever, anytime there's like demons involved, that's when like those kind of elements are in the air, basically. And, and ghosts and shit. Yeah. Because uh, I remember Cold Steel had like one of those places, mm -hmm. and there's like a ghost. That bitch was hard on Nightmare. Yeah, well, that's like <laughs> underneath the school and all that kind of stuff as well. All that kind of like all the hard. Yeah, stuff. yeah. So they're uh, they're like a a thing that pops up in every one of the games, I I believe. Yep. Which is pretty cool. Um, yep. So you get to the top. Uh, you fight Ian. Uh, but you don't actually fight Ian. You just fight a clone. And it still almost kicks your ass, and your whole party's like, oh, wow, you're really strong. And she's like, yeah, I just wanted to test you to make sure you're worth my time, or whatever. And I just wanted to tell you that I'm not the one who wrote the first threat letter. All right, see ya. And then she just, like, hops off the top of the tower and leaves. Um, so your party's like, okay, well, so the, a different person wrote the first threat letter. Uh, I guess all we can do is we can uh, assist... Or I think Ian requests you to figure out who was impersonating him. Well, yeah, but, like, uh, the party still decides, like, because they have one of those things where they're like, oh, do we give up now, or do we keep going? Because the First Division's going to handle it, and uh, Lloyd decides that they're just going to investigate on their own still, somehow. Uh, and... They, but they want to arrest Ian, and she's like, I'm not going to let you arrest me, and leaves. Um, so you have to, after this, go back to Crossbell, and I think like the next day is like the grand opening uh, premiere performance of the Arkansas new performance thing, yeah. show. And uh, so the First Division's there, and... Uh, I can't remember like how you get in if you're just like invited as guests or whatever, or if you're just like additional surveillance. But uh, Ellie and Lloyd are in there, and they you have to walk around and talk to every door, and I think a couple NPCs uh, three times. Yeah, and get through all the acts. Yeah, get through all the acts until the end of the show, like the finale. Um, and before uh, I get to the uh, end of this chapter. Uh, occasionally during this uh, chapter, you uh, and Ellie and uh, like the rest of the party have been talking to this guy named Ernest, who's like the aide to the governor, 
and he's like been a family friend for many many years and he tries to convince ellie to stop being a cop and to go back into politics because uh grandfather really needs help so there's a crisis of faith between uh ellie and her job and what she wants to do or whatever but lloyd talks her out of it and says that where she needs to be here is uh, where she where she needs to be now is here with the SSS and doing what she's doing now because everybody needs her and she's a great help and she's not alone and blah blah blah. So uh, that being said, at the end of chapter two, when you are finished exploring the or like surveying the Arkansas performance, uh, you you get a hint that somebody is there that's not supposed to be there. And when you track this person down, it's actually Grace, the journalist, and she's like, I had to sneak in to get pictures because I didn't get an invite to the premiere, and I need these for the newspaper. And then she also says something weird about uh, Ernest, uh, like rumors about Ernest trying to uh, betray the governor. And uh, Ellie figures out that Ernest's the one that wrote the threatening letter, so the, and he's there with the governor at the, like, the VIP seats. So Lloyd and Ellie run up there, and uh, there's a cop that was positioned in the room uh, to watch the governor, and he's knocked out on the floor. And uh, as you're running up there, you run past Dudley, who's like, what the fuck's going on? Why are, you, why are you guys here? So he chases you up there as well, and you kick the door open, and you uh, watch as Ernest is holding a dagger above the governor's throat, essentially. And before he's able to kill the governor... Um, you stop him, and then he, like, has superpowers somehow, and he, like, runs and zooms past everybody uh, and out of the building. Well, they explain it later, but, but it's not... Well, yeah, but uh, so everybody's confused as, like, why the fuck he's so fast? Right. Uh, but uh, Lloyd calls uh, Randy and Teo on the orbit and says, hey, our suspect's running out the building now, chase him. So they try to chase him, but he's too fast for everybody. And the whole time he's screaming, I'm going to be mayor. I'm going to be mayor. I'm going to be mayor. And then uh, the dog uh, manages to stop him. So he gets all the credit. <laughs> like uh, Grace comes out and takes the dog's picture. And it's like, oh, look at that. Uh, SSS almost uh, did something good again. <laughs> but, uh, but that closes out chapter two and chapter three starts. Um which is the festival. The festival. That's right. Fuck. We're not even on chapter four yet. Oh, Jesus Christ. We can. Uh, like, <laughs> I mean, we don't have to go like, in depth on every single chapter. All right. Yeah. All right. So essentially, chapter four, or chapter three, the festival. Um, I think the big thing here is uh, it's not. Is it the auction at the end? Is that this one, or is that chapter four? No, that's the auction. This is the auction one. This is the auction. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you spend the first four days of the festival fucking around, and you get some. You hear some hints about like some maybe this underground uh, auction that's going on, right? And uh, Estelle and Joshua have been kind of keeping track of it. They've been interested in going there and seeing what it's about. And as you go by through the days, you learn more and more that this is where pretty much a black market, uh, but it's like not hidden because everybody knows about it. Uh, yeah, that needs to know about it, and uh, don't do anything there's so much it. corruption. Yeah, there's so much corruption that nobody can do anything about it, because uh, the person that hold, hosts the auction is like the speaker, the chairman Hartman, and because he's got the one that's pretty much has power. Because uh, there's two factions. You have the 
Republican faction and the uh, Erebonian faction, but they're called something else. Uh, and the, the the Republic faction is for Calvard, and the other factions for Erebonia. And they are the history of crossbells that they it used to be a war torn state until there was like a peace treaty, like a ceasefire, a uh, couple years ago that made it so that uh, there would be no more war. But uh, Erebonia and Calvard still kind of have their uh, fingers in the pot, so to speak, of uh, uh, crossbells politics. And so the governor is kind of stuck with what he can do. They both want control of Crossbell because it's like the trading hub of, you know, the continent. So they want to be able to control it. Um, Each one has their claim to it. And that's what the whole, like, Erebonia arc is about, is about, you know, Erebonia trying to take control of Crossbell. And this is like the start of that. Yeah. So lots of good lore information, but nothing like really you get. It's all kind of like surface level. Yeah. So, because uh, you're trying to just fix the corruption in the town first or whatever, you cross bell. So, um, you're like a drop in the bucket, basically, but. Yeah. But you're doing your part. Yeah, you're doing, best, you're doing the best you can. Um, I think what the first thing is like, you gotta figure out Jonah needs help with some hacking or something, right? Uh, uh... or is that. I think that's something that happens later. Because, Let's see here. Yeah, you figure out who Kitty is, who's like um, hacking IBC or something like that. Or Jonah is saying like there's someone better than than him. Can you help figure that out? And you figure out it's Ren. And that's like one of the days where you figure out Kitty is Ren. That was like the test or something. Uh, well, so first you start off with uh, trying to find a counterfeit goods smuggler or whatever. Uh, so you do that and you meet Kilika on the bus or the train. Oh, okay. the bus. that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then you also you solve that and then you get introduced to uh, the stalker who's the homeless girl who's not really important to the plot. But he's been uh, she's been stalking uh, Ilya. And Ilya recruits her into Arkansas. Um, and then next, uh, Jonah is trying to catch the hacker known as Kitty uh, using a terminal deep within the jail front. And this is where you get like one-on-one time with Tio because uh, Lloyd's had one-on-one time with Randy and uh, Ellie already by this point because there was like a race. And then Ellie was like doing something earlier. But... Uh, Tio goes into the geofront and Lloyd protects her and has to hack uh, this thing and works in uh, works together with Jonah to chase down Kitty and they think they catch her but uh, they're able to figure out uh, they fail because she escaped somehow but they figure out that the Rosenberg studio the doll studio is where she's hacking from so they pretty much know that it's Ren because uh, she's the only person that's around the fucking Rosenberg studio. Right. Uh, and while they uh, are working together, Tia lets Lloyd know that she knew Guy because he saved her when she was like nine or something. Uh, and he knew that, uh, Lloyd knew that he went on a like, special mission to escort some girl that was kidnapped at one point by a cult or something. Yeah. And so they find out that this is a, uh, Tia was that girl. Um, 
and then because you help Jonah, he gives you this like information cache, uh, like a disk or something uh, that you put into the terminal at the SSS headquarters, and it's got information about the mafia on it. Uh, so you look through all the information, and then once you get to the end, uh, Tio finds this like hidden bit of information about the Swarsh auction, and for helping, uh, you help uh, Ren uh, with her little brother, yeah, that's... who is missing. Yeah, that's a and uh, as a favor, or uh, I guess like, as thanks, she gives you uh, two, or gives you an invitation to the Swarsh auction. Which, if you've played the first couple games, it's like it means a lot more than uh, than if you just play it. If you just like are experiencing it like this the first time, because it's like, oh my god, she's gonna be she's around her brother and all. Because she wasn't trying to be around him, she was just trying to observe him. But then she ends up like interacting with him by mistake. So it's kind of saving his life. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bigger deal than uh, you would think it was. Um, so I thought it was pretty cool, but. Anyway. Yeah, just one of those things that you would get more out of it from playing the other games, I guess. Yeah. So, um, with the invitation, your team decides to uh, go and infiltrate the Swartz auction. Uh, when you get to Michelin's amusement park, which is where it's being held, because for some reason the the speaker of the house, the chairman, has like a mansion in Michelin, which what? I guess is like the rich part of town. Well, I think that There's a bunch the, of mansions there. The way they explain it is that the part of town existed first, and then they built the theme park on like. Fair enough. Yeah. So. Because it's like on an island, but not really an island or something. I don't know. It's like you have to take a boat to get there for some reason. Yeah. It's on the other uh, side. I, I didn't. I didn't look at the map too much. Like you do have an overworld map you can look at, but you don't need it. You could walk there. Yeah, and it's a long walk, basically. Because you have to go all the way around the other side of the... Well, you can't walk in there in-game, but I'm assuming, realistically, in the world, you'd be able to walk there. Yeah, not in this game. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the next game, then. Got it. Not in the next... Maybe the next game, but I know for sure in later... Uh, in Cold Steel's, uh, later you come back to... Uh, to Crossbell. Crossbell, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh... Well, so when you get to Michelin and you decide to infiltrate this auction, uh, you have to choose from uh, Ellie, Tio, or Randy to infiltrate with, and each of them has their own little like uh, character that they uh, they dress up as and they attempt to commit, like uh, disguise themselves as, which really doesn't mean anything because like the character never comes into play, but it's like a cool little development. Uh, character growth thing you get, like, they're about their personalities or whatever. And uh, you find Wazoo there, and he's the one that helps you get your disguises and your stories straight for the infiltration. Uh, so when you do infiltrate, you go in with Lloyd and whoever you picked, and you kind of just talk to random people in the mansion. Uh, you see Killick is there, uh, Amelda, who runs this, like, creepy high-end store in the back streets. Uh, you find Wazi there with his date, who's uh, this wife of a guy who's having an affair, and they get into a fight. Um, and then later on, you get confronted by Garcia, and he almost calls you out uh, because as he's seen you before. But then Maria Bell, which is Ellie's childhood friend, who's also the daughter of the guy that owns IBC, 
which is like the most powerful man in Crossbell, that's not affiliated with the, the government. Uh, she shows up and like saves you from that situation. And then you go with her to the actual auction room. But Wazi comes in and says, hey, there's been some, I saw something weird. I need to talk to you. So you go talk to him and he's like, the dogs that are supposed to be like patrolling the property are sleeping in the backyard. That's kind of weird, right? So you guys go and investigate the mansion and you go to the room where all the merchandise is being held. And you find one of the guard, like, like either passed out or knocked out or dead. I'm assuming he's dead. Because uh, when you go into the room, you see Yin killing more people. And uh, she says that there's a bomb in the uh, inventory room and you should check it out. And then she jumps out the window. So you go check out this bomb and you find out it's actually a uh, child in a suitcase essentially uh and everybody thought that there was going to be a rosenberg doll uh, on sale and those are renowned for being very lifelike looking but this is a living human being and so now you know that the mafia is doing child trafficking or i guess just human trafficking in general so uh you decide to take the kid and leave uh and then on the way out you get assailed by all the mafia members and uh, when you get back to the dock where the boat was that you came in on, the boat like just left, so you're left stranded, and you have to fight Garcia off. But then you get saved by Sergey and uh, the wolf, and everybody escapes to safety. And that's the end of day three or chapter three. Um, yeah, and you kind of uh, skimmed over, but you meet Lecter here as well. Which, if you played the first three games, you would know who he is as well. So. He's also in Cold Steel, right? A couple times. Yeah, he's like the second in command, or like he's in head of like the, like the CIA basically of Arabonia. He's, so, but you meet him in the first sky, first couple sky games. He's in there. Okay. Because he's, I think he's from, uh, originally from. Uh, liberal. Oh, okay. That's where uh, Estelle and Joshua are, are from. Yeah. All right. Um, so this leads into the uh, intermission. Uh, and so during this time, the uh, the Ravash Mafia is now falling apart because they now have a bad rep because the auction that they were uh, throwing went bust. Well, they had a kid. When the, when the word gets out they were trying to sell a kid, it looks really bad for him. Yeah, and uh, they get, uh, I guess, thrown away by the chairman, who was like their main benefactor. And so now they're going into uh, like overdrive of trying to make sure that they keep their uh, power in Crossbell. And so they say they're going to use the special plan thing that they've been... Uh, like a saving for like a, a right time yeah, kind of thing it's like a backup plan which is really not what they thought it would be uh so while this is all happening uh you take this little girl on a tour of crossbell and her name's kia and uh she has well you're trying to figure she lost her memory basically so she doesn't remember anything before opening the box yeah and you have to you're 
spending your time taking it around places trying to jog your memory you take her to uh the crossbell cathedral where one of the sisters does um thaumaturgy which is like i guess prayer mixed with orbital arts or something and then because apparently sometimes they've had success of restoring people's memory that way if it's a spirit problem uh, but all it does is let her remember that she was in a dark room with a bright light above her. And so they think that there's maybe a problem with her brain. So uh, one of the NPCs that you've been uh, interacting with uh, occasionally, because he's, uh, he's like one of the head researchers at the hospital, uh, but he's also a lazy piece of shit and he goes like fishing all the time. Uh, he's actually, you find out he's like the head of the... Uh, essentially the brain study uh, division or department of the hospital and also like a pharmacology expert. And uh, you go there to talk to him about maybe doing tests on Kia to restore her memory. But she doesn't like that idea and she yells at everybody and leaves. Well, she would have to stay overnight. She doesn't want to stay there. Yeah, not without Lloyd. Right. She sleeps with Lloyd for some reason. Um... (laughs) So yeah, she runs off. Well, she uh, attaches to Lloyd because like she doesn't like have anything. Like Lloyd's the first one she sees, so like basically like imprints onto Lloyd where, um, like a baby chick. Yeah, and she's like basically acts like his child at that point, and he basically acts like her dad going forward. So, uh, yeah, this is a very odd situation, but it is what it is. <laughs> Uh, so she runs off uh, and uh, ends up making friends with uh, Shizuki Shizuna. I think her name is Shizuna. Uh, she's uh, Ariosa's child who's blind, and you talk to her a couple times on side quests in the hospital there before, too. So they become friends. Um, Arios shows up and takes Shizuna back to her room, and you take uh, Kia back to the SSS and that closes out the intermission and yeah when you talk to Joachim who's a doctor they kind of agree that when she comes down maybe they'll uh, be able to convince her to stay at the hospital for some tests uh, so then you move on to chapter 4 and this one starts with another request from Noel to investigate some strange ruins uh, that have been previously blocked off but the, somebody destroyed the barricade again uh, and there's lots of like talk about ghosts, and Ellie gets freaked out, so that's a little gag they do for a little bit. Um, so you go there, and you get to the top of the ruins, and you find that the bell's been vibrating or like going off, doing something, and it's been causing uh, all of the weird shit that's going on. So you stop the bell, and that fixes everything. Uh, but as you're leaving, you, you get a call from Fran who tells you that uh, the mayor of Mainz is requesting your assistance. And I know I didn't mention her before, but Fran is the sister of Noel, and she's also like the, one of the receptionists at the police uh, station, and she's the one that handles all the cases that the uh, SSS get. So she's kind of like the, the secretary. She logs. Uh, all but you your, your... what's that? She like she's the girl that logs all your. Um missions and stuff yeah uh so when you get to mains uh you find out that one of the miners has gone missing um 
and usually he goes to Crossbell to gamble, but he loses all his money, comes home, but he hasn't been home in like a couple of days or a week or something. It's an extended amount of time that's unusual for him. So you go uh, to Crossbell, you go to the casino to find him. Uh, he's not there, but you learn that he's in a hotel. Uh, and he's like in the one of the top suites of the fancy hotel. He's wearing a suit. And he's got lots of money because he's been winning at the gambling. and so, uh, But nobody knows why. And he's also got a shitty attitude now. Uh, so you return back to... Uh, headquarters and you tell the mayor that sorry man can't get your dude home uh but we'll see what happens if we'll let, we'll let you know if anything changes kind of thing um then you find out through another cutscene that uh the triad has some information about the, the other mafia and uh that something is going on because they're doing something without the Garcia guys, like, uh, guidance, and then they get attacked with machine guns, and uh, the following morning, the team learns that the triad uh, base was attacked and raided, uh, so you go there to investigate. Um, you find Dudley there, and he hasn't gotten any, uh, made any headway, so you take over the investigation, kind of, and uh, you learn that uh, they don't think it was uh, Garcia or anybody from the Mafia, but it was people that uh, were, like, dual-wielding uh, machine guns, pretty much, with uh, no problems. Yeah, it was, uh, like, odd. They're, like, lower-ranking members, but they were, like, super strong. Yeah. Kind of like so, that earlier chapter. Yeah, but they don't really put that together yet. Right. Uh, so, uh, you decide to... Uh, stake out the mafia but uh you run into garcia and he tells you to get the fuck out of there um but garcia says that he wouldn't do anything that uh has been happening lately because he prefers tactics that uh, are maximum effect with a minimum effort and minimum casualties so he wouldn't be like telling his people to just fucking shoot people up or whatever in, in the middle of the street um uh, so you also uh, get some information from Grace, um, who tells you that she thinks the raid was done by uh, new members who want to uh, move up in the ranks pretty quick. Uh, so they would probably do anything they could to get that advantage. Um, and then you get another phone call from the mayor of Mainz, who tells you that uh, he's try he came to try to talk down Gantz, but he's being really fucking aggressive and stuff. And that he's at the casino right now, and you need to come and help. So you go there, and you find uh, Gantz and Lecter gambling. And uh, Lecter somehow wins every single hand, and Gantz gets pissed off. Uh, and then kind of works himself into a tizzy and passes out. And they bring him back to the hotel, and let him try to sleep off whatever is going on with him. Uh, but they uh, want to search his pockets, because they want to see if there's anything, like, any drugs he's been taking or whatever to maybe explain his change of personality and they find these blue pills on uh in his pocket and uh you bring it back to your boss and he's like well uh that could be uh, what the first division's investigating they've been investigating some weird drug use uh but they were told to stop investigating 
So that's kind of where they're at there. But the SSS hasn't been told to stop investigating, so they're allowed to do that. Um, and they figure out that uh, they know somebody who's good with drugs, and it's Joachim at the hospital, because he's like a head pharmacy researcher, whatever. So they bring the drugs to him. Um, and then they get into more stuff about the cults, the DG cult. And uh, you learn that this uh, this drug seems to have similar properties to like what the cult was doing before to try to like power up their members or whatever with something called Gnosis. Uh, so they start calling this blue pill drug Gnosis and uh, Tio freaks out and passes out because she starts reliving uh, memories of what happened to her when she was in the cult, being tortured and shit. Uh, but the next morning, uh, everybody goes home and uh, you get told that uh, the guy Gantz, the miner, is missing. And then you, uh, if you've been like looking around the town, you know there's other people that have been kind of suspicious okay. and that they're probably doing drugs too. Yeah. And they're all gone. So uh, you get a phone call from Dudley and he's like, meet me at the Mafia's headquarters. We're going to go uh, raid it and see what's in there. And you go inside and uh, there's nobody there. Um, so Dudley, uh, I think I mixed that up. Dudley just telling you like what he found and you guys decide to go to the mafia headquarters and he's there by himself and he's like, what the fuck are you guys doing here? But he decides to join forces because, uh, you tell him about, uh, the cult and that the cult may be making drugs, but he's like, I thought the cult was destroyed. Uh, well, let's figure out what's going on here. So he lets you guys explore or investigate with him. And uh, if you, but he reminds you, everybody that if you find any evidence, you can't touch it because you don't have a warrant. So uh, they're just kind of there doing. Uh, I'm trying to. God damn it! What's the word? They're just trying to investigate what where the people are missing. Yeah, just trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, so you kind of search the whole place, you find these two keys that open up a secret passage, and you get down into the basement, which is, uh, like the main room of the head mafia guy, and I think his name is Marconi, if I never mentioned that before, it doesn't really matter, uh, but you search around his room, and you find this chest that you open up, and inside is, uh, a bunch of evidence, uh, talking about uh, drug shipments, uh, robots, but they're called archaisms. Um, and you also find a uh, a police badge with a giant scratch in it. And Lloyd recognizes it, recognizes it as Guy's police badge. Um, so with all this evidence, Dudley decides to see if he can uh, bypass all of the higher-ups and start working with like the second division and the first division and uh, get the uh, get the Bracers Guild involved so that they could uh, crack down on this drug that's being distributed around. Well, yeah, I think uh, um, when you're looking at the receipts or whatever from the in that book that you find in the chest, it's all the people that are missing have receipts on, on, in the book or something like that? Uh, yeah, because they've been selling the drug to all these people yeah. uh, and they're testing it out. Uh, like it's a test run before they do mass distribution or something. Right. 
Um, so the final, the, the final day, the finale, uh, the Bracer uh, Guild is informed of the situation and decides to help um, investigate the missing persons because that's all they can do. Um, they can't really do anything about the drug use or the politics or the mafia or whatever, but they can find missing people. So uh, they were told by Joachim that by noon tomorrow he had information, but they wait too long, and it's like 5 in the afternoon, and they haven't heard anything. And Dudley uh, berates them for waiting too long, so they go to the hospital, but as they uh, they try to take the bus, the bus doesn't sh uh, show up, so they decide to walk there, and they find the bus abandoned, and all the, the uh, gifts for people at the hospital are left on the bus. So you know there's something going on. Um, and as you get to the hospital, you're ambushed by Mafia. Uh, but as you're fighting them, you notice that they are strong as fuck. And uh, if you take them down, they get right back up. And uh, Yin shows up, and she takes out the first couple Mafia guys you're fighting. And you all decide to work together. Um, because she's working for the Triad and trying to figure out what the fuck's going on on her end. Uh, so you make your way through the hospital, you find uh, all of the staff and patients, and you make sure everybody's safe, and then you get to the research center, and uh, you get to the top uh, where Joachim's office is, and in there you find Ernest, who was supposed to be in jail, but he uh, broke out because Joachim gave him the Gnosis pills or whatever, and he like join the cult willingly so he has he's retained control of his body and his mind but also got powers and shit from it um so you beat him up but there's a uh, he tells you before he leaves that there's two files on uh the yokim's desk and you should uh look into them and see uh whatever is in there so you looked at the the files and they talk about all the cult um, lodges that they were doing experiments at and all the people that were being experimented on. Well, and you see Tio and Ren in there. Yeah, uh, I don't. Know, I think you missed that. Where Ernest, the way he escaped was the all the G CGF was uh, under Gnosis, so that's how he got out of prison. Because everyone makes sense. Everyone got mind controlled by the Gnosis because. The head of the GC or CGF uh, is in cahoots with the mafia, and he, I think he was taking this, that stuff too, so he was controlled. So okay, I think that's how all of them got. That's how Ernest got uh, escaped. It wasn't just got it. broke out like uh, they were basically all in control of him, anyways. So that makes sense because uh, after all this, the, the entire almost the entirety of the CGF is after your ass in the crossbell. So you spend uh, I don't know, a good 20 minutes watching a cutscene of running around town being shot at. Yeah. Uh, yep, so uh, as you're reading the files, uh, Ren shows up and she reveals herself to be one of the enforcers. I think she's 15 or something. Yeah. And uh, she tells everybody that Kia is the key to everything before she leaves. And uh, that's literally... Uh, what her name stands for. It's like Key of All or something. I don't know. That's what uh, Joachim says later because she's like uh, some divine child and shit. But I'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, so when you get back to Crossbell, 
at some point, Joachim had convinced uh, all the a bunch of the mafia members and the CGF to take the Gnosis drug, uh, without mentioning that this will allow them to mind control him, uh, him to mind control them. And uh, so when you get into Crossbell, there's nothing but a bunch of uh, Guardian Force members just uh, driving around in their APCs, and every time they see uh, Lloyd and Party, they get out and try to attack them. Uh, but the mission is to kidnap Kia. So uh, you run into Sergey, Sergey and uh, Dudley, and uh, eventually you get to the east side of the town and you try to escape across the bridge, but there's both Mafia and uh, Guardian Force people there, but uh, so you think you're screwed, but then uh, Maribel and uh, her dad Dieter, the IBC people, show up in their custom bulletproof limousine thing, and uh, they save everybody and bring them to the IBC. Um, this is where you can get your bond events if you got your bond high enough for one of the characters. And while you're here, uh, you figure out that uh, Joachim has to be working out of the uh, Sunfort, which is a ancient battlefield area. You went on to a quest before to save some uh, tourists, uh, but it was always locked. So uh, on the way uh, out, you decide to leave Kia at the IBC because it's like the safest place. And uh, before you are able to leave, CGF put two bombs outside the gate to the IBC, so you have to go there and uh, fight off like eight waves of uh, people as the uh, NPCs disarm the bomb. And after you do that, you uh, are driven by Sergei uh, to the uh, um, ancient battlefield, but you're also being chased by a Guardian Force. Uh, and their new uh, armored cars that have like machine guns on top or something. And uh, Sergei takes a bullet as he's driving, but you're all saved by Noelle in her old model APC thing. And uh, you make it to the battlefield. Uh, while you're there, uh, Estelle and Joshua are waiting to give you a hand, and they open the door to the uh, Sun Fort. And as you make your way down, you fight a bunch of demons. Uh, you fight mafia members possessed by demonic energy from taking too much gnosis and shit. Um, and then you end up fighting Ernest, who transforms into a demon himself and summons some uh, monsters. And then you get to Garcia, who was also the, under the control of gnosis because he was force-fed the stuff uh, after he got his ass kicked by Joachim. And then you find Joachim, who says that he's actually one of like the last remaining members of the uh, DG cult. And he is one of the leaders of a lodge, and he didn't approve of what some of the other lodges were doing, but he did appreciate the research that he got from them. And he was using the Gnosis to uh, try to uh, control as many people as possible and advance like the understanding of people because he thinks that the uh, goddess Idios is false and that the only true gods are like the demons or whatever. And uh, he hopes to use Kia as the key to open like, the path to allow the true god to possess her or something. And he's made a new type of Gnosis called Red Gnosis, which I guess is like a more concentrated form of the shit. And it shows uh, 
he ends up taking like a whole bottle of it and it show, he transforms into this giant demonic creature and he says that he has found wisdom and he sees everything and he knows everything and he knows how uh guy died he knows how kia was made all this shit or whatever but you kick his ass and uh as he's like uh hulking out because he's like uh going in overdrive from the pills he took uh ren ren comes in somehow with her uh pater mater pater matter whatever the hell however you pronounce it it's like this giant robot she's got and it uses this like laser cannon to blow uh, Joachim Demon's arms away, and you fight him for the last time. And as you beat him, uh, he says some stuff about uh, Lloyd and Kia before dying. Um, Estelle and Joshua are finally uh, able to see Ren, but Ren tries to leave. But her robot we got upgraded from some damage it had by the doll guy. And it, had, it can like move on its own now, so it stops her from leaving, and puts her in front of Estelle, who hugs her and says that she won't let her run away anymore. And they all leave uh, and go back to Liberal, but the SSS was proclaimed the heroes of the city. Uh, a new election is held where uh, Dieter becomes the next mayor, providing, uh, I guess, providing safety and stability to the town or Crossbell. Uh, Kia remains with her new family, uh, which is the SSS, and starts attending Sunday school, and that's the end. <sighs> good times, good times. You made it. You made it work. <laughs> Shit. Uh, well, I actually got to get going. Because I gotta go pick up my roommate from the fucking airport. I didn't think this shit was gonna take so long. So I'm gonna go and give, uh, I guess, my ratings to everything real quick. Okay. And then I'll turn it over to you. Um, so I will give the story a four because I liked the character interactions and it was pretty uh, deep with the lore and stuff like that. Um, visuals, I thought the visuals were pretty good. Uh, not as obviously not as good as it could be. It is an older style of game, but I don't have any problems with anything that I saw. And, um, I liked all the like attack animations and the spells and all that stuff. The Ashcrafts are pretty cool. Um, all the voice acting is Japanese, so uh, to me it's kind of whatever. <laughs> like it's it sounded good, I guess, but they don't have like full voice acting. I think it's only like uh, sound bites. Uh, which is okay. Uh, the music, however, is phenomenal. Uh, I don't think there's a bad track. Uh, there's some that are kind of like whatever, uh, that are just kind of like background music. Uh, but they're all done really well. I don't think the Falcom team ever does wrong. I do think it's disappointing uh, to be a member of the Falcom sound team and not have any recognition for your work, but I guess that's how they do it. Uh, so I would give the music voice acting a four as well. Uh, my overall experience. Uh, I really enjoyed the game a lot, and uh, I'm really hyped for the next one. I really want to go and play Sky now and the Code Soul games, uh, but I'll kind of have to just get to it when I can. Uh, so I would give this overall a 4.5. Uh, it's not a perfect game, but it's really, really, really good. Uh, as for replayability and extra content, uh, you get extra quests uh, and the extra dungeon uh, in the new game plus, but that's about it. Uh, you can see new people's dialogue if you pick them and stuff, which is cool. Uh, carrying over stuff, 
is a nice addition, so you don't have to like start from level one. And playing on a new difficulty is uh, a lot more challenging. Not so much at the beginning when you have like overpowered shit still, but uh, definitely like playing on nightmare uh, and even being level fifty, uh, fighting level forty enemies. Sometimes they would uh, do a lot of damage to shit. So it was still a challenge, sort of. Uh, once you learn like how to like tackle everything, a lot of stuff becomes not so challenging. So that's kind of whatever. But I would give replayability and extra content a three. Uh, yep. So uh, good luck with the rest of the show. <laughs> All right. See you later. All right. All right. Catch you later. All right. Uh, we'll head back to story. Um, Kyle, if you want to give your piece of what you thought of it and your rating. Yeah, um, so I thought it was a good story mixed between, like, fun and campy sessions or wild and, honestly, otherworldly sessions. Um, I'm sure it would have made a little more sense had I played the other games in the series, but it was easy enough to follow the plot. Um, I like the overall idea of the SSS. kind of made me feel like Spider-Man. Like, not everything you're doing in the town is stopping schemes to replace deities of the realm over a 500-year period with crazy you know, whatever children. Um, sometimes you were just helping people find, like, lost library books. It was kind of funny, honestly. Um, it was really nice to go through uh, the extra dialogue in each chapter, made me want to talk to everybody, made the story feel fresh and new, um, even though you're only in the same, like, 25 screens throughout the game. All the characters were great. Uh, they were all a little tropey, but they fit together well. Randy was cool. Um, surprised he was a Super Saiyan, but nice dude overall. Lloyd's pretty much Dudley Do Right, but he's got the sad past, so you kind of you know like him a little bit, get a sense of endearment towards him. Ellie was the weakest of all of them, just a rich girl trying to succeed on her own, and then Tio is I don't even Tio's like a child soldier, tech guru, divine wolf whisperer genius. So like great for her, but that was a little odd, I guess, uh, thrown it in there. The only thing that was really weird for the story for me is that everyone was super young. I think your main characters, T.O.'s 14, Ellie and Loiter 18, and Randy's the old gentleman at 21, and then they decide to take care of a, I mean, I know she's 500 years old in actual life, but a 6 to 8 year old just kind of seemed weird to me. Um, otherwise, uh, like I said, good story, kept you going, nice stuff. I'd give it a 3.5 out of 5. Cool. Um, I uh, for me, I love the story. Um, I like that it starts off and they're like you know they're not like they're the lowest of the totem pole and they kind of every chapter get a little bit farther along and get better and more recognition and it's not like they're just good from the get go you know like it's trails from zero because they start at zero. So I like that whole concept. Like it made sense once they've explained that. I'm like okay, that's where this title comes from. Um, because <clears throat> they're starting this whole new program. Um, I definitely enjoyed like seeing them, you know, evolve and change and grow. Um, not many games like you have character growth like this. Um, yeah, they do start off tropey, but they all have layers to them. Well, I think they all have layers. Like, but besides Ellie, because because she kind of is just who she is, which is fine. Um, but yeah, she's definitely the weakest link. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, the, the story is, to me, it's a prologue to the, like, the next, like, like, I don't know, 
the next game is more like the meat of what's actually going on. Um, and that gets way more interesting. Uh, but you have to play this game first to kind of establish characters and uh, the town and all that kind of stuff. So um, as much as I enjoy this, I know the next one's going to be a way better. Um, but that's typical for your Trails games. It's like the first game is like establishing characters and the, the area you're in. They do that in Sky 1, and they do it in Cold Steel 1 as well. So um, it's kind of uh, their MO for like Falcom. It's like, we're going to take our time and explain these uh, characters and this area and this town, this this country. And so it's very, very nuanced and detailed. And I really appreciate that kind of, uh, uh, you know, attention to detail in, in a game where a lot of games, they just, you know, try to i don't know it's not as much they don't put as much time and effort into it and i like that they do that so to me it's like the kind of like my perfect idea of a game is this um very very deep in story but i feel like they mix it well with the battles and stuff so it's not like straight cutscenes all the time it's not like some games um mm -hmm. so uh, i don't know i love it um, to me, story is like the best part about these games. So it's a five for me. I know it's biased or whatever, because I'm, I, I love the series. So, uh, yeah, take off a grain of salt. Cause I already come in loving this. So, uh, to me, it's what I look for in a game. Um, so, uh, that's why I rate it so high. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I think honestly, if I played some of the other games, I'd have a higher score on it. Yeah. Don't, I don't. Uh, discount your your score. I mean, that's what you felt. I mean, that's that's fine. It's not everyone's favorite type of thing. Um, but to me, it's this. That's what I. This is what I like. This is perfection to me. Um, to other, I mean, if anything, it's good. I mean, there's no. It's not a bad game. Like, there's nothing you can. Yeah, there's like minor things that are you know you can quibble over. But I think if you like RPGs, there's no way you would not like this game. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe I'm gonna have too strong of an opinion, but I don't. Think, no, that, I don't think there's that's many, fair. I don't think there's many people. If if you love RPGs, you'll like this, uh, unless it's unless there's something about it. But I don't. I'd be very. I'd be very surprised. If I found someone that, uh, you know, did not like this game. But I'm sure there's people out there. Um. But yeah. Anything else you want to add to the story, or that's. Uh, no, thank you guys. Well, I think we covered it, honestly. Yeah. About an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> the last story. It's good. Uh, so the next music break, uh, is, I guess it's mine. Um, it's Demonic Drive. Uh, it's a very, very, I think it's like when you're fighting, uh, bosses, I'm pretty sure, or one of the bosses. Um, but just really, really catchy. I like the, the, the beat of it and everything like that. So this is Demonic Drive.
Okay, uh, visuals. We'll try to speed it along since we took so long in the <laughs> gameplay and story parts. Uh, That's fair. Uh, visuals. It's kind of, I would say, more like a... It looks like more like a PlayStation 1 RPG. It was made for a portable system, PSP, and they kind of used that uh, from Sky all the way through the end of Crossbill. Um, and then I think once they get to... Um, uh, Cold Steel, they upgraded the graphics a little bit, but it still looks like more like a PlayStation 2 game. Um, but yeah, the visuals aren't like anything right home about. Uh, the artwork, though, I think is good. I like the artwork and like the character portraits and all that kind of stuff. I think those look really, really good. Um, and you know, the battle animations and all the all the monsters, um, they're all unique enough. I mean, there, there's going to be like palette swaps and stuff like that uh it's not the best i think the weakest part of trails games are the visuals um but i still appreciate them and i like them a lot so to me it's a four that's fair i i thought they were really good as well um i honestly couldn't tell you if the graphics were updated from the first release of this game or not but they still looked good um for where we are today the city felt big, it felt alive, it's like there was a lot going on there, things would change between the chapters, so it wasn't just stagnant, the same scene over and over again. Um, even the smaller maps were mostly enjoyable, some of the highways were kind of whatever, but the dungeons felt like dungeons, the final dungeon felt like a final dungeon, looked like a final dungeon. So I really did enjoy that. Um, as the game progressed, I think it got uh, more grandiose with the Sun Temple and the Moon Temple and all that. So it was just nice to see a you know a slow rise to build um, along the visual uh, plane there, and then really just everything looks clean and crisp. I'd say it's it's pleasing throughout. Nothing is jarring. Nothing stands out that looks terrible. Um, I would give this one a three point five out of five because you are right. It does kind of look like a PS2 game, but expected when it came out what twelve years ago. Yeah, and it came out for a handheld. So, exactly, wasn't made for uh, actual system at first, but mm. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so that'll take us to music and voice acting. Um, yeah, like as Nick kind of said that the composer is like they call it like the Trails team or I can't remember what he said. Uh, but they all no one I don't think it really gets credit for it. But they, I mean, all the music's freaking phenomenal. Um, there might be a couple smaller tracks that are kind of repetitive, but, um, there's nothing, I think it all adds to the game and they do it. Every like area has its own song. Not a lot of stuff's repeated unless it's supposed to re be repeated. And I think towards the end, they kind of incorporate a couple of the things together. So it's very, very, very well done. Um, from what I'm told, the Japanese voice acting is really good. I didn't really pay attention to it. Um, I know once they get to uh, Cold Steel, the voice acting is really good <clears throat> for America for the you know, English voice acting. But um, as as it goes with this, I mean, I, from what I've been told, like there's a lot of famous Japanese voice actors in this, so uh, I, uh, apparently that's pretty good. But yeah, I didn't realize. Yeah, and I think, um, but yeah, there's a lot of songs. Every one of these games has songs. 
there's unique ones and there's also ones that carry over so it's like when you hear that familiar tune you're like okay it brings me back to that game um so it's all very unique and well done so i'm also gonna give music a four Yeah, um, I didn't listen to the voice acting too much either, but from what I did hear of it, it was it was good. Um, the characters kind of sounded generally how I'd imagine them in my head, if anybody else does that. Um, so I was pleased on in that sense. The sound effects in battle were they were better than average, but nothing uh, like really you know uh, came to the front or shown out more than than anything else so i'd say that was pretty good as well uh soundtrack's huge 75 songs overall and i really like the feel of the music um when i first uh went through the game i didn't really like it as much as i thought but then I, when i was listening to the ost to pick the song for the show i really found that a lot of the songs were were better than i gave them credit for originally um it was refreshing to hear a lot of um, differentiation between the town and the battle combat music. I know a lot of games do this. It'll be airier in town and really, uh, you know, faster when you're in fighting. But this was almost a completely different mix. It sounded very jazzy um, when you were in town or moving around. A lot of flutes, sax, things like that. And then you'd um, hit the the heart or the battles, and it was almost like you know, hard rock or uh, metal in some ways. Um, one I specifically like balloons and confetti during day three, during the um, anniversary mission versus like intense chase where you're chasing the enemies through the streets. You can tell there's just a huge swing in difference and the, the mood really sets the tone of the game. So for uh, the music and voice acting, I'm also going to give a four out of five. So I think we're all in agreement on that one. Yeah, it's it's really really good. Um, they always do a really good job with their music, so it's one of the high points of the series. So, yeah, absolutely agree. All right, uh, that's music. Uh, that'll bring us to our third music break, uh, which is Nick's pick, and it is a light illuminating the depths, which I think most people would say is probably the best song. Uh, on the soundtrack other people might disagree but it's it's a very very good one like <laughs> nick texted me this like after he beat the game for the first time he's like this is a banger i'm like is that your song he's like yeah <laughs> so uh he once he heard it he knew uh so this is a light illuminating the depths <laughs>
Okay, uh, that brings us to our overall score. Um, as Brent would say, uh, this is expectations versus reality. Um, everyone else, I mean, that's Brent's definition. Everyone has their own way of saying how they overall felt about this game or their overall rating of the game. It's kind of more of a personal feeling. Um, everyone has their own opinion. Uh, so this is very, very opinion-based, um, how you felt. So for me, I love the game. Uh, every time one of these games comes out, I have to play it day one. It makes me happy. <laughs> I feel good when I play this. Uh, time melts away. Like I don't even realize how long I play sometimes. I get so immersed into this experience that um, it's my favorite series to play. Like, uh Better than Final Fantasy, in my opinion. Better than every other RPG I've ever played. Uh, like I said, it's my opinion. Uh, this is my favorite game series by far. Um, so to me, it's you know happiness in a box when I get it. And you know, yeah, they were coming out one a year for a while, and it's been a couple years since I played one. So definitely, that helps me. That helps like uh, you know, you know, fond or. What's it? What's the saying? Like uh, something makes the heart grow fonder. Whatever that saying is. Oh, uh, distance. Distance. Yes. So it's been a couple of years since I played one. I really appreciate it. Uh, playing it after a couple of years since I think four came out two years ago. And now we got two more games coming up. So you can kind of get burnt out on these games because they're so long. So uh, hopefully I don't get burnt out after playing two of these in a couple months but i'm excited to play the uh follow-up game to this and then uh the last game for uh cold seal uh in the summer so um but overall i love it it's gonna be an easy five for me um i just will you know that meme of t please take my money is whenever i see this so uh, that's it for me. What about you? Uh, yeah, so for expectations versus reality, came into this one, um, didn't have any crazy wild high expectations. I'd heard of the series, but I never played it. Um, so in that case for me, like, it completely surpassed my expectations. I really honestly enjoyed the game. Um, knew little about it, like I said, but I definitely have, uh, interest in playing the other games now that I've gone through it. It, it's just a really solid overall. Like I'd even be interested in trying to to plat the game either um, through Steam achievements or the in-game achievements themselves. And uh, you know, there's just some other stuff I'll probably play first. But but overall, like I would suggest this to anyone. I think you've got a lot of good points. I think it really does just hit the mark on um, most everything. I don't think any of us have voted under a three and a half so far on anything. So it's it's a better than average game, definitely. Um, Personally, playing through it with the um, quality of life improvement with the speed, I would totally suggest. If I had to play this at a normal speed, I probably would still be playing for another two or three weeks. Yeah. Um, so it might be better if you have a little more free time. I maybe got like two to three hours um, max at a time to get through it. And there were a lot of nights I'd play and I'd just be talking to people. Um, not to say that it's too long. It's actually paced extremely well. It keeps you very interested entertained um so yeah i would suggest it i think it's i'd recommend it for people looking for fun adjustable difficulty rpg good 
good story um, and plenty to tell if you're interested with the other games in the series to follow through with. Um, so I'm going to give this one, you know, I'm actually going to give it a four out of five uh, overall. I think, I think, yeah, there, there isn't a lot of reason you shouldn't play this if you like RPGs. Yeah. And this is definitely a good jumping on point. Um, if you don't have, like you could, I don't know. What'd you play this on? Did you play it on PC? I played it on the Switch, actually. Switch. So, uh, to play uh, Trails in the Sky, you could either do Vita for the first two games, and then the third one's on PC only. So, really, if you want to play them all three and kind of have the carryover stuff, I would suggest playing it on PC, because it's on Steam. Um, they are very... The first game's kind of rough, gameplay-wise, but you can. there's ways to bypass that. Um but if you don't want to do that and you want to play it on the system, like this is a good jumping on point, maybe just read the points, but I feel you'd be missing out on a lot of good, like to me, the first, uh, trails in the sky. Second chapter is like probably my favorite game all time. <laughs> uh, that and final fantasy six were my two top favorites. I don't know which ones every day. It kind of changes back and forth in my head. Um, but I think Final Fantasy VI was more of a nostalgia thing. Like, really, Sky 2, like, was one of the best things I ever played, <clears throat> story-wise. Um, but, because it's like, a, you just don't expect it the first time. Uh, it kind of gets more formulaic. After you play the first one, you kind of know what to expect or kind of see the patterns. But the first time you do it, you don't. So, I love, uh, first two. Um... But yeah, this is a good jumping on point if you want to see if this is for you, and then maybe it is, and you kind of go back to Sky, maybe I would say, before you go to Azure and on. Um, but everyone has their own, they do it their own way, it's fine. Absolutely agree with you, though. I think, uh, think I'll definitely be trying some of the others out. So yeah. Um, so yeah, that brings us to uh, replayability extra content. Uh, like Nick said, he gave it three. Um I would probably do the same. It's, uh, you don't have to. I mean, the last dungeon is just more that extra dungeon they give you. There's no story ramifications. It's just kind of an extra thing to do to make you play the game again uh, to get the platinum. It really has nothing to do with story wise. But yeah, if you want to go and try different ways or different things, but really you can do all that in YouTube watches. You can watch them on YouTube. And, uh, if you really want to see all the different um, events and stuff, you can do with different characters. Uh, it doesn't really change the story too much. It just gives you more background. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I think it's a three. Yeah, same answers on that one. Um, if you want the in-game plat, I think it's three times through to get the individual scenes with everyone. If you're getting, you know, like a Steam or Xbox or whatever plat, um, I think it's only two times you need to get through it for the extra dungeon and all um, the collectibles. Uh, you can move through it pretty fast when you're playing through the second time with the with the speed improvement, so that's nice. I thought it was actually cool that you got a point system that you could buy what things you carried over from game to game. I don't see that too often and that was kind of a nice you know little change not that i played a second time but i at least had to think about what i would buy if i was going to play a second time what was more important uh, than other things um 
yeah, the various difficulties, I believe, uh, are a nice addition. And then you can miss extra dialogue if you don't talk to certain people on certain days or things like that. So it is kind of nice if you wanted, you know, 100% the game, I'm sure you could go through it with a fine-tooth comb and knock everything out. Uh, so 3 out of 5, or 3.5 out of 5 for me. Cool. Uh, the last music break is yours. Uh, what, what was, yes. What was the song name you picked? Uh, so it was the Crossbell Police Department. Um, it's the one that plays every time you're in the police department, when you're getting kind of your missions at the start of each chapter. Uh, that's the one they knock out. So I think it's really good. Um, bit of a jam. I think, heck, I could have picked 12 songs to be in this spot. So there's there's just so much good music in this game. Yeah, it was hard for me to, t- uh, to pick the song I wanted because there's so many to choose from. So it's really hard to pick a, just one. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is the Crossbow PlayStation. the show um sorry it's good uh, good speed run after the story there <laughs> yeah. uh yeah it's gonna probably be a little over four hours after i get the music in there so sorry for everyone that i mean i guess you could skip the story part of it if you want to skip spoilers but uh it's a long one kind of happens on these on these bit story-based rpgs where we kind of got to go into depth on i mean the gameplay too had a lot of depth on it as well so um, but the next game we will be doing for the show is Nick's pick. It is called Trinity Souls of Zil Ol. 
Uh, it's a PlayStation 3 RPG that not many people have ever played. I never even heard about it until Nick uh, picked it. Uh, so, so far, like I said earlier, it's kind of a repetitive uh, dungeon crawler game, action RPG. Um, it's okay so far, but it's kind of starting to drag, so we will see. Uh, so that'll be the next game. Mm, probably a couple more weeks before we get that one out. Um, but uh, also, so that, that'll be that. Um, closing it out, we, uh, we have Discord, so come join us there if you want to chat about any of these RPGs we've talked about. Um, if there's a specific game we talked about, you want, you want to, we should have all the more recent uh, games we've played. There's a... Uh, specific archive now yeah they are we archive them but you can still go and like chat in them if you want to or have any questions or read up on it but uh there so there's that or you can just talk to us in the general um uh, you can email us at rpgshow.podcast at gmail.com or uh on facebook for the rpg show uh you can listen to our friends Blaine and James on the Is It Worth It podcast. And uh, me and Blaine also do Video Games the Movie. We just did Assassin's Creed. Um, if you guys want to listen to those, those are really short. They're usually not even an hour, so it's something kind of quick. You can, If you ever watch one of those video game movies, we can we go through and kind of just talk about it. and see it. Usually talk about how awful they are. So, um, They usually are. <laughs> Anything you want to throw in there? Uh, no, no. Just uh, glad to be on the show again. Hopefully we'll get another game in here and uh, join you guys for another one. Yeah, appreciate you jumping on. It's good to sometimes get a third opinion in there where I was interested to see someone that's never played Trails, you know, get their opinion, see if you how you felt about it. Um, so I'm glad that you liked it. Um... But uh, yeah, that's it for the show. Thanks for listening this long. Uh, uh, as always, thanks for listening. And until next time, bye everyone.